Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 37. Is cranberry sauce a side dish? Hello, Big Chillians. Happy Thanksgiving to those listening. Not a happy Thanksgiving to those not listening. We don't care about you until you subscribe. And I guess an early thanks, happy Thanksgiving to Eddie and Sam. Yeah, that's that message is really in line with the Thanksgiving spirit. So that seems about perfect. I mean, I guess it is in line with the original, you know, pilgrim Thanksgiving spirit of either, either you're either with us, us, you're either with us or we'll commit an act of genocide. <laughs> so this is our way of formally declaring war on all non big chill podcast listeners. I like the, I like the image of the Thanksgiving versus the probable reality is that the pilgrims and uh, native Indians came together, bartered and had a feast together when let's be honest, they didn't. <laughs> it was not. No, that. I think I think that is actually historically accurate. I do mm. think. I. I mean, I don't want to. I know that we're going to get like fact checked by someone, and they're going to tell me that I. This is just another example of me white. And I don't say me as in I'm like known for this, but of like whitewashing. Well, you history. are, but am, not in I this am. instance. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, if there's one thing I'm passionate about, it's about how correct the pilgrims were. Although I should be anti-pilgrim, right? Like they, uh, they were mostly Catholics. So, yeah, they sworn they, enemies they left, of the English. They left the UK because of fear of persecution, but also they thought the UK had gone too soft with its religious like uh, ideals. They thought it was too tolerant, and so they built up the good old US of A. Yeah, and several hundred years later, we've got states that with that are anti-abortion. Uh, <laughs> Let's get political, guys. All right, let's do it. <laughs> you can pardon a turkey, but you can't kill a baby. Oh, speaking of the turkey pardoning. Whose state motto is that? <laughs> I think it's the District Georgia. of Columbia. <laughs> yeah. Wow, straight to the heart of government. Okay. So I, I dug up some facts on the turkey pardoning after we talked about it on the last episode. So this year, there were two birds up for pardoning. So, which is a really weird thing is they only pick two. And then Twitter chooses, well, you vote on Twitter as to who will be officially pardoned. However, both live out full lives, which is a, a, a slight disappointment to the story. It would be much more meaningful if your vote really counted for something. <laughs> you know, I know the origin of that, actually. And I, I mean this genuinely. So what that the, the two name vote? No, obviously not the Twitter voting because that's fairly recent. But the, oh. the idea that both turkeys survive, it stems back to, I think it was 1938 or 1939. And it was actually FDR because over the Thanksgiving period, he would attach the two turkeys to his wheelchair and he would <laughs> use them for like wheelchair ta chariot turkey races. So that's why he would keep both alive. One year, 37, he only let one live and it turns out it wasn't strong enough to pull him. So if he's, wait, I, I mean, there's several problems with this. <laughs> like, he's have a lot of horsepower. So he's turkey wheelchair chariot racing, which implies he's racing, which yeah, exactly. other, so there's other people with turkeys. Small, but they, small children in the White House, yeah. Okay. It, was like, there, it was like a game, race the president. 
would those turkeys be pardoned or would they be slaughtered to the loser? If you lost, the losing turkey was killed. See, that's how I thought of the Twitter thing. It's like, we always go back to Gladiator, but you know, when they do the thumb down or up, like yeah. that's how disgusting the Twitter poll on slaughtering a turkey would be. <laughs> <laughs> you pick which one lives or dies. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian. And so I'm obviously the concept of killing an animal doesn't put me off eating it. I do have to say the idea of, of like voting and deciding which one of them gets killed seems to be going a little bit too far. Uh, the like Sophie's choice of turkeys seems a little bit incorrect. It's almost like it's almost like saw <laughs> in terms of like playing a game like the users oh, get to pick be... which one. Oh wow we've we just got how, how they get killed as well that's so oh terrible <laughs> yeah, like blender. Yeah. The, the whole reason they invented the pardoning was because bush wanted to appease PETA. i think that would go in direct <laughs> contradiction to the reason that this was made no it's oh just God. the opposite though right because the idea of saw is that everyone is supposed to have a chance of living until the later versions of the of the movies right where it just got stupid and everyone was, was screwed as soon as the game started but like the fundamental concept is you could save yourself so what they should do a little bit like our maze theory of trump uh, or whoever the president is being dumped in a in a maze with a turkey and a hunter in this version you just take a bunch of turkeys and you stick them into a saw like situation and if they're intelligent enough they can make it out I also like that you'd have to do research into the turkey's past because, like, like saw, it would have to be psychological feed. backgrounding. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like this turkey ate the food of its of its neighbor. <laughs> so this. Time well, around. actually, Eddie, now that you ask that, I do have some some in background info on the two turkeys this year. So corn okay. is a chatty bird who enjoys eating sweet corn, watching college football, and storm chasing. Cobb, on the other hand, has a type A personality, likes playing pickleball and doing puzzles. So they just make these up. This is this is just Oh really? Really? What what bit did you then realize it was made up? <laughs> no, but like the Storm likes corn. Chasing. No, 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 hold on, hold on. The likes it started off realistic. The likes sweet corn was a realistic was a realistic yeah, but, anecdote. Yeah. I, I would have just thought you would have piped up at the storm chasing. No, 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 no. I I the storm no, but you see what I mean? Like the original, even the likes college football, you could tell me that there's a No, 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 no. He doesn't like college football. He likes watching college football. <laughs> I didn't think he likes playing. <laughs> yeah. Corn had a had a division one scholarship to Alabama, but, but turned it down because he likes the rural life on the farm. Because he wanted to be a meteorologist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Alabama's a good place for storm chasing, right? We've we've got so here. Yeah. We've got no. a backstory for the turkey to use in saw. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so while only one bird will strut away with the official title. Both will live out their days at Iowa State University and be available for public viewing. Life, oh life must be pretty boring when you are, take the family out to see the two turkeys that were pardoned by the president. <laughs> I mean, you could have ended that when you take the family out to see turkeys. At least, <laughs> at least, at least turkeys that have been pardoned by the president have like an interesting anecdote to throw into why you're staring at a couple turkeys. Also, side note, this is a business that we could just spin off, right? Because we could just get any group of turkeys and say that these are the turkeys that were no one's not like someone's going to recognize them. I mean, so I mean, they the will because if, life one, of a if corn's not chasing 
storms, they're going to know it's not him. <laughs> like if there's you... some impersonator one that's pretending to chase storms <laughs> to get the limelight. <laughs> yeah, there's a fake corn who pretends he likes college football, but doesn't even know who's in the Heisman race. <laughs> God, what a moron. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it spelt like the band? No. Or like... Co- no. It's like K-O-R-N. corn and cob. <laughs> yeah. Children and of the cob. corn. So you could have children in the corn. <laughs> Last year it was bread and butter, and the year before that it was peas and carrots. Oh, so they just—they're not even the real turkeys' names. This gets more disappointing by the. I mean, maybe they are. I mean, <laughs> do you mean what? Wait, wait, like how many names? I'm I'm sure they don't originally name a turkey. There's thousands and thousands of them. I guess it would just depend on the size of the farm, right? Like people name their cows. I I, I don't actually know how to continue with that. (laughs) I know of someone, a guy who went to my high school, he had, he was originally from Texas and his family had a cattle ranch in Texas. And his grandfather like gave him a cow and named it. His name was Albert and they named it after him. They just named the cow Albert. Mooba. And eventually after a couple of years, they just killed the cow and he ate it. Wow. Yeah. They were raised weird... by Ron Cardle of the National Turkey Federation chairman and a sixth generation turkey, corn and soybean farmer from Walcott, Iowa. I mean, that's an interesting one, right? Do you, is there like an elective process to be the president of the, the National Federation? Turkey Federation chairman? Oh, I'm sure. It, and also implying <laughs> that there's regional arms of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's, probably, it's probably a Saul-like process to decide who, who gets to hold the title. <laughs> so spoiler alert, Corn was the one who was pardoned. And to quote President Trump, look at that beautiful, beautiful bird. Oh, so lucky. That is a lucky bird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wasn't it? He said like, oh, it must be a fantastic day to be a turkey. And then immediately went, actually, it probably isn't. (laughs) See, the thing about Trump, um, I I don't like his politics at all. And I think he is fundamentally an idiot. It's actually those. (laughs) I love that. The the butt statement you've thrown out there. (laughs) It's those moments where he's actually quite charming. Like those moments where he just speaks off the cuff about about topics that do not matter, where he actually comes across as somewhat endearing, like the the realization of, oh, it's probably yeah. not a good day to be a turkey. It's the kind of thing you would say and then be like, oh, actually, no. Like and those I'm are the fine. only moments where I kind of, you're on I'm board. I'm fine with that. But I'd, I'd say it's humility. Whereas, you know, when Frank was talking about what a beautiful bird, it wasn't to the turkey. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> No, Did you hear what re- one of the reporters said as well? So one of the no. reporters, um, as he gave the pardon and obviously put his hand down and said, like, I officially pardoned you. One of the reporters apparently got up saying, how about a pardon for yourself, president? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> he, should, he must have seen that one coming. Yeah. That one. It's pretty obvious. But so they apparently. Should named, they should have named one of the, the turkeys Donald Trump. So he could have like signed some document that, you know, like it would have been slipped in into this sort of gone under the radar on Thanksgiving weekend where it's like, oh, he's actually pardoned himself. So apparently American presidents have been getting animals since like the late 1800s. People have just been sending them things like in crates and in costumes. They've been getting like ducks, turkeys, quails. I think they even said Calvin Coolidge got a raccoon one time and they ended up keeping it and not eating it and keeping it as a pet. 
So they had a no, pet that's... raccoon. When you said they've been getting them in costumes, does are yeah, you no, that was like the raccoon. The raccoon would dress up as like an advisor <laughs> to the president. <laughs> <laughs> Or it wasn't, or it wasn't really a raccoon. It was just like a small child, but they've shipped it in a crate in a raccoon like costume, and then just made it live for the president with the president which, for the remainder of its life. Which in turn wouldn't make sense because if it's in a crate, what would you know? <laughs> like until you open the crate, it's like why did I need to buy the raccoon suit as well? I mean, is that what you meant, Frank, about the costumes? It says that they used to get. Turkeys sent, sent as gifts, sometimes arriving in elaborate crates and costumes. Okay, so it wow. means put a turkey with one of those pilgrim hats on. And... Probably, yeah. yeah. Probably I dead. I mean, how long did it take to ship a turkey back in 1880, right? That, that, was, thing, was just, yeah. that thing was just turning up. It's like some oh. horrific, like a godfather-like scene where Calvin Coolidge <laughs> has to figure out whether it was an act of kindness or a threat to his Terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> well, Coolidge was in the 1920s, so maybe okay. they had, they had no, no, better I, storage options. I mean, they had I, trains. They had terrorism. That's also true. They had trains. Yeah, you could train. You could train the turkey. So going back to our I meant elaborate trains. maze, our elaborate <laughs> maze story. No, I don't mean. I don't mean I they could train it to like put itself on the train. I meant they could train the turkey, as in like put the turkey on a train and train it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> going back to the maze, who who has a better chance of getting the turkey? Trump with his health conditions or biden with his lack of memory of knowing where he is in the maze <laughs> biden would find the turkey 55 times out of no he would just keep finding it and then re forgetting that he'd found it and then and then proclaiming that he'd found it again the thing with biden is he's in an enclosed space so it almost he's inevitably going to come across it. Whereas Trump with fitness would just slow down eventually and it would take him longer. Plus probably Biden would eventually come out and be like, I never found the Turkey, but I did find this cow and he'd just be holding the Turkey. <laughs> it's a great question. A what, what's a bigger handicap, obesity or dementia? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Welcome to the big chill. The big forget. That's, that's the sport America is preparing itself for. Wait, what's worse, obesity or dementia? Or what's the biggest handicap? <laughs> like, yeah. To a sportsman? To a president? <laughs> to yeah, finding yeah. a turkey in a maze. <laughs> okay, oh, okay, that's the sport. I think obesity, because if the hedgerows are too small, that's going to be restrictive. Well, I the guess turning around. I guess speaking of obesity, <laughs> there is some sad news in the football world. Oh, of a wow. what a segue! Of a, what a segue! Of a, obese, of a late stage obese football player. I would have preferred. I would have preferred speaking of, I would have preferred the speaking of someone who wasn't pardoned today, but yes, today um, <laughs> he was pardoned by our Lord. Maybe he was deeply religious, but yeah, Diego Maradona uh, died today of a supposed heart attack. But it's difficult because I mean he'd had. Uh, brain surgery in october or november right i mean he's just been sign he's just been very ill for quite a long time 
yeah, he had a heart attack at the Boca Juniors game a few years ago as well. I think <laughs> the, the the sheer excitement of watching Boca v River Plate gave him a heart attack. I mean, he's yeah, his medical history. I mean, he had a gastric bypass at one point. Uh, yeah, I think he had his first heart surgery in the nineties. I mean, he's in a way, it's kind of amazing that he's lived as long as he has. But at the same time, when I got the news that he died, the fact that he was only 60, which obviously makes sense given the fact that his most famous moment was the 1986 <laughs> World Cup. So it would be weird if he was 85. But <laughs> the fa- when, you, when you see him, the fact that he is only 60 years old is kind of stunning. Yeah. Yeah. He's one year older than my dad. And my dad does not look like that as a 60-year-old. I mean... It actually was an interesting thing because you would hold up Maradona's name with the likes of Pele. It would be up there with Pele for sure. Um, You'd say Pele at the top, but I'd say Maradona is top five for sure. In terms of famous recognized names. Oh, no, yeah. Pele is more globally recognized. Um, I mean, I think Maradona is probably the greatest footballer of all time, but it's really difficult to judge because... Even Maradona, I mean, for our age group, is slightly too old fundamentally. I mean, his peak was the mid-80s. Obviously, I didn't witness that. And I also don't have a ton of... Like, he retired in 1997, so I was 10. I can't even kind of remember watching him play live. But when you look back on clips, um, and obviously it's one of those... Every headline now and every article is going to speak about the 1986 World Cup and the hand of God against England in in the quarterfinals. And I actually think that's interesting because in a way that match, I think, encapsulated Maradona's entire life, which is you have the goal of the century scored, but just before that you have one of the most controversial moments of the World Cup. And in a way, it's the kind of the two aspects that embodied him, which is the genius mixed with poor decision-making questionable character eccentricity if we want to be right in his obituary eccentricity that's being generous for for the questionable character part how many players in that situation would say something i think say something is different i think do something for so for those who didn't who aren't aware of what we're talking about like in the 1986 world cup quarterfinals england were playing argentina and a ball was played into the box and Maradona jumped. Now he was a very short man. He jumped up to try and head it in front of the um, out kind of English goalkeeper who was coming out. And in front of his head, he sort of flicked a fist up and punched it over the oncoming goalkeeper and into the net. Now, I don't think a lot of players would have necessarily owned up to the fact that they handled the ball. I don't think many players would have instinctively done what he did. Because you just don't actually see egregious handballs all that often in football. You do every once in a while. There was the Thierry Henry one famously against Ireland in the uh, World Cup qualifiers. But you, you really, it's not like every weekend you see a ball, a player slap the ball into the net. Yeah. Yeah. The it, hand of God was the name of that goal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was him because he said it was a little bit of the head of Maradona and a little bit of the hand of God. That's yeah. his own quote. It's, it's, his not, own. it's not as if people kind of dub that on him. He said it himself. Um, well, and then obviously, 
Well, yeah, but just not long after he scores what was voted the goal of the century when he dribbled through the entire England team um, and just an amazing World Cup goal. You're shaking your head there, Sam. It was like five of them. Six, including the keeper. I mean, he didn't, he, okay. he didn't go sorry, left he didn't, to right. Sorry he didn't go back. I mean, sorry, been, wait, it wasn't you, FIFA. He just danced around everyone. But yeah. I, I tell you what, the point I have with Marid, and that will happen within like four minutes, right? Yeah, I mean, really just after one after the other. And I mean, his go, the, the his run took just over 10 seconds. I mean, it's the greatest 10 seconds of football of all time, most people think. In terms of yeah. the purest, but also the players, like it was like Terry Butcher, Peter Beardsley, Peter yeah. Shilton in goal. They were really there was a really good like what do you call it spine to the England team back in the eighties. Exactly, and I think that's the thing, right? Everyone always compares that goal with the goal that Messi then scored when he burst onto the scene with Barcelona, and he scored a very similar looking goal against Tetafe. But the difference is when you're doing it against Setafe in a random match versus doing it against a pretty decent England team in a World Cup quarterfinal. Also at a time when feelings between England yeah. and Argentina were pretty much at their worst because you're not long after the Falklands War, right? It's like four years. He actually mentioned it as well. He said that he felt like it was revenge, uh, which yeah, I saw didn't that help. Quote. This, well, this is one of the. Sorry to interrupt, but this is one of the. This is an interesting thing about Maradona is that it's widely acknowledged for his footballing skill alone that he is one of the best players. But growing up in England, and sometimes I would say just England, you are grown up to not like him. Like you're, you're openly told not to enjoy this man like he's almost like anti-England because of the Falklands War stuff the hand of God but also the worst part so like Peter Shilton came out so about 10 years ago maybe Maradona actually came out and apologized and the England team were just like this means nothing to us because we asked you straight away and after the game did you do it did you mean to do it he was like it wasn't even handball and I think that was the England team's problem with it and probably the England nation watching or hearing about it. So it's, it's interesting with Maradona because you're actually grown up to dislike him in this country, I think. No, I do agree with you. I think if you ask any English, English person, what's the first thing that comes to their mind when they think of Maradona is the hand of God. And I'm sure if you ask an Argentinian, it's not. And if you ask an Italian, it's not. And if you ask a Spanish person, it's not. So those are kind of the four countries where he had the most impact probably. Um, and each of their feelings will be really different. So I do agree with you, but I think it's normal. I mean, already said Thierry Henry, right? Uh, the overall feelings towards Thierry Henry in Ireland are not great. So when people think of Thierry Henry, you know, when you speak to Irish friends and you talk about Thierry Henry, all they think about is the handball against, you know, in the French, France-Ireland match. They don't think of Thierry Henry terrorizing Premier League defenses for, you know, 15 years or whatever it was. So those defining moments are going to stick with, with certain groups of people. I mean, he had an incredible career. He was broke the world transfer record twice. I don't actually know if he's the only player to have ever been involved in two world uh, record-breaking transfers, but it's possible. And then also he was the, f you know, when he went to Napoli and they won Serie A with him, that was the first time a team in Southern Italy had won uh, 
Syria. So he kind of broke the northern dominance, northern Italian dominance, uh, which, you know, has changed the shape of Italian football ever since he was there. So, you know, you've, the last 30 years of Italian football have been different directly because of what Maradona did. So you can't understate his importance on the world scene, but he probably, did, when he did as much as he could to kind of ruin his reputation. Yeah. He, um, did you hear his, uh, so when he spoke about the kind of Falklands war, bringing that into that game with that extra energy, he was like, we were always told by the Argentinian Junta that we were winning this war, but actually England was winning it like 20 nil. So he felt, so his argument was it felt like 21. <laughs> like it's a, and, so taken out of context, isn't it? That a lot of people just remember him going, oh, I did this as revenge for the Falklands. But actually he was like, we were getting spanked. So this felt like one back. Yeah. And that's also an interesting twist too, because some people have accused him of being a kind of political pawn, right? which is that the Argentinian military government used him as a way of distracting the population. Not that he was playing into that necessarily, but the fact that they had this incredible footballer who was bringing success to their national team at the same time as when they were mistreating a large portion of their population helped them to kind of point the finger elsewhere and be like, no, 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 don't look at, don't look at the atrocities. Watch the ball. Just watch the ball move is- the ball. I mean, sorry, Frank, we're going political, but classic kind of like right-wing government tactic, isn't it? Don't look internal at our problems. Look at external at that small island that Britain has. It's, it's a well-known Argentinian thing. Like the Kirchner did it uh, like a decade ago as well. If Argentina isn't doing well economically and politically, you'll see the ramp up talk about the Falkland Islands. It, it, it's almost like a cycle. And then when they're doing okay, like they are at the moment, I don't think things are that bad at the moment. We don't hear about the Falkland Islands. Whereas five, six years ago, when they had the currency issues, we heard a lot about the Falkland Islands. It's hard to tell if he's underappreciated as a player. I guess we'll see over the next few few years and decades, but you kind of get the feeling that he almost is. Um, But it will be interesting to see. It's always a shame when like single moments, even if they're controversial or not, define a player. Like I, I would honestly say to the point where most English people won't even care to read up on him because of the hand of God. They'll just be like, he's the hand of God. That's all I need to remember him for. And it is a shame because like you say, Maradona did so much to change the face of football, both club and national level. I did like when I was reading his obituary today, I actually kept the quote because... Basically, um, they were talking about when he was first got went to his first professional club to be scouted for their youth team, and it says that their <laughs> their their youth team manager, given Maradona's puny physique and strangely large head, at first thought he was lying about his age and demanded to see his identity card. <laughs> <laughs> I love how those things just will never <laughs> age when they get them like that. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, this one goes out to you, Diego. Yeah, you stole the 86 World Cup from us. <laughs> like, um, that might be extreme. Uh, it's it a quarter quarterfinal. It's a quarterfinal, you can't say it. But they did end up winning, right? But in, yeah, they, they did, did win they it. Beat yeah. West, they beat a pretty average West Germany team at the time, or at least one of the more average West Germany teams at the time. But truth be told... That was probably 
one of England's best teams when other national teams weren't as competent, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that England had a real shot with it. It doesn't mean they'll win it. I mean, there's too many variables. It's like the Thierry Henry one, isn't it? It's like, okay, the handball doesn't happen. And I'm sorry if I piss people off here, but it's like the handball doesn't happen. The game goes to penalties. And then you can't guarantee a win there, right? So you can't no, say, oh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Well, you can, right? I mean, in the same way England could say they robbed... I think when when one of the defining moments of the match, one of the turning points of the match is somewhere where you felt someone cheated that you can feel like you were aggrieved. Well, you can say Maradona robbed England because he scored both goals. So even he had the the controversial goal, but then he also scored the other one as well. So I mean, and they won 2-1, I mean, yeah. one, right? England, yeah, England were one up in that game as well. Yeah. And I guess that's that's what matters. It's almost like the... I'm going to keep going with this one now. In 2000. Frank Lampard. Yeah, the Frank Lampard over the line. The what would that have made it one all? It would have made it two all. Two all. Because people, we, we were, people, they people, were always like to, people always like to say, oh, it wouldn't have mattered. You ended up, they ended, Germany ended up scoring four. No. It's like, Momentum yeah, but when the game goes England. two all, it changes the dynamic of the match. England were on the up in that, that 15 minutes or 10 minutes before that goal went in. England were walking over Germany at that point. Basically, we can sum this up by saying England have won three World Cups. Yeah. Fundamentally. If it weren't for cheating Argentinians and Germans, you know. It's always we'll, the Argentinians and Germans. Like we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to change we'll have to change the the song to three world wars two world wars and three world cups. <laughs> oh god, I know something. Do we win the next one? <laughs> we do. We do. Spoiler alert. We come out on top, but World War Four not so good for us. <laughs> You're like some sort of like um, like seance guy. <laughs> I'm like the modern day Nostradamus. That's why my picks have been so good. Speaking of which, maybe we should uh, talk about wow. where we are in our. I know that was one of my better transitions. No, 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 no. I'm not sure. I felt like you said it, and you were like, "This has to be the moment." <laughs> like, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you jumped on it too quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was too much. But, uh, but yes. speaking of uh, speaking of our picks, I guess before we make our week 12 NFL picks, I'll do my usual thing and give a summary of where we stand at the moment. Uh, week 11 was not spectacular, but also not calamitous for any of us. So I went eight and six against uh, just in picking the outright winners, six and eight against the spread. Sam, you also went eight and six money line seven and seven against the spread and uh frank you went seven and seven money line and five and nine against the spread which takes our overall standings i am now 112 and 40 112 47 and one uh, pick, uh money line sam you are 97 62 and one money line and frank you are 98 54 and sorry 64 and one money line uh 63 and one sorry and then uh numbers are tough eddie yeah (laughs) i am now they are hard they get harder each week when the numbers are just getting bigger and bigger that's the downside it was very easy when like week two it was like oh well you're 12 8 and 2 but now it's getting a little bit harder and i am 80 77 and 3 against the spread uh sam you are 74 84 and three 
and Frank, you are 72, 85, and three. Hey, Frank, Oof. you remember a couple of weeks ago you said it was a two horse race? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I need to look and see if you guys aren't cheating me here. I feel like you're changing my picks. Oh, desperation no. is a smelly <laughs> cologne, Frank. I want a recount. <laughs> it might come out worse for you because we've already seen that one of mine previously needed to yeah. be changed. Do you yeah, the, sure you want to roll the dice? Yeah, the recount. I'll tell you what, I'll do a full recount. We'll go Georgia style. I will do a full recount between now and... Uh, the real, my, my real worry is that you guys are changing my picks. Oh, and that you don't Losers. remember them. I have no idea who I picked. I love this is this is the Republican Democrat argument, right? I mean, you can like, you can go you can go through last week, and I bet you I couldn't tell you half of them that I picked. Okay, let's go through it quickly <laughs> before we get on. Who did you pick between the Cardinals and the Seahawks? Seahawks minus three. I think I took the Cardinals. Correct. Who did you take between the Falcons and the Saints? Saints minus four point five. Saints. Correct. Who did you take? Oh, no, you didn't. You took the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> you nearly fooled me there. Who did you take between the Bengals and, the, and Washington? Washington minus one. Bengals. Correct. Lions and Panthers. Panthers minus 1.5. Lions. Correct. Pats and Texans. Texans plus two. Oh, definitely the Texans. Easy one. Correct. <laughs> so Eagles and Browns. Browns minus three. Uh, did I... I think I probably took the Browns. Correct. Steelers okay. and Jags. Steelers minus 10. I think I took the Jags. Correct. Okay. Titans and, well, no, Titans no, no, and Ravens. No. Oh, are we just talking against I'm the spread? I'm just talking here? spread. Yeah, yeah just can, spread. Can, just spread. Yeah, yeah. I can't do both. Titans and Ravens. Ravens minus 5.5. I took the Titans, I think, and I got that. Correct. Right. Dolphins and Broncos. Dolphins minus 3.5. I definitely took the Dolphins there. Correct. Jets and Chargers, Chargers minus 10. Did I take the Jets? Correct. Cowboys and Vikings, <laughs> Vikings minus 7. I definitely took the Vikings, I know that. Correct. Packers and Colts, Colts minus 2. I think I took the Packers. Correct. Okay. Chiefs, Chiefs and Raiders, Raiders, uh, Chiefs minus 8. Ooh, I think I took the Raiders. No, you took the Chiefs and Rams <laughs> and Rams against the Bucks. Bucks I definitely minus, took the Rams. Correct. So you only if got only two your, wrong. If, if okay. Only your picks, I think it's three wrong. But if your picks okay. were like that, usually, <laughs> you put yeah, maybe free. maybe Frank needs the quick fire. He just needs. <laughs> yeah. He just needs. Maybe to fly maybe off. we need Frank the fish. <laughs> <laughs> Memory of a fish, picking skills of a fish. <laughs> Right. Okay, All right, more, I guess more games this week. We're yeah, back we... up against the buys. So should we get going? Or yep. yeah, our special yeah. early edition so we can fill in for the Thanksgiving games. Should we have a yeah. disclaimer so if... that the Ravens Steelers game just got moved at time of this podcast. So yeah. even though it's going to be our third pick, it's not going to be until Sunday. And if you're listening to this on Thursday morning as you're getting ready to eat turkey and you say, hey, wait a second, why is this episode out so early? It's so that we can give you two winners and a loser for each game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
we can really piss you off on that early treble you had banked. <laughs> because we know on, a, on, an, on an important holiday like Thanksgiving, where you're probably cooking, doing things in the morning to get ready for a full day, you wake up and you say, thank fucking God, the Big Chill Podcast recorded <laughs> early so I could listen. <laughs> in fairness, I actually think our podcast, I mean, personally, I slow cook my turkeys overnight, but fundamentally, you could cook a turkey in the length of time that this podcast takes. Wow, that'd be a quick ass turkey. You could do it though, depending. So also I'm smoking on the size. my turkey tomorrow. Depend depends on the size of your turkey too, right? Because it depends if it's fact. been it depends if it's been out storm chasing as well, because it'll be wet. <laughs> true. That's also true. <laughs> it's gotta be so sad for that, that turkey that likes to watch college football and gets to watch the last plays it's just roasting away. you've got one of those famous scenes in the movie where it's like watching the movie and you just see behind them with a gunshot to the back of the head no even no, worse watch the football watch the football even worse as it as they go to kill it on uh on thursday it probably has that moment where it like realizes the end is coming but then it like flicks its head over to the tv and goes at least i've got football and they're like NFL, not college. He's like, I can just imagine this moment. College. It's like, you, we'll put on your corn. We'll put on your best game. We're going to have your best meal. We're going to feed you turkey before you die. So, do you think corn? Do you think corn prefers watching college football or watching Twister? If corn had to choose one thing to watch before the end of days, oh, probably loves that scene when the cow is just in the, in the, in the tornado. I think that was the same cow. <laughs> that's, that's the quote what was it like um Epcot your, your ability frank hold on your ability to like quote movies i mean we've spoken about it before but not remember what you had to eat an hour ago the combination of these things is just remarkable no it makes this this is why i'm actually slightly concerned because it makes perfect sense because most of the movies i can quote were movies from at least five years ago like Twister was a movie I grew up on, what, 10 years ago? And, and I can sit down. <laughs> that, that defeats the argument. Twister came out in like 15 years ago. Yeah, I know. I'm thinking I probably watched 25, it a lot. 25 years ago. Frank. I remember yeah, but, like a seven-year-old going to like Epcot, yeah, wherever I think the it came yeah, out, was. I think it came out in 95, 96. I I'm going to go 95. I remember going but it to used to be on TV birth- a lot. I remember going to a friend's birthday party and part of the birthday party was watching Twister. And I feel like that was, that was probably like <laughs> what an, an apocalyptic <laughs> kind of weird looking back on it. I don't know if it's a movie that's suitable for like eight year olds either. I think but... it was like a 12 in the UK anyway. It was like suitable for like 12 and up. But yeah, um, but no. Yeah. I'm, and I mean, look, we were living in Salt Lake City. There is no no tornado threat. So. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get cracking them. So we have. um <laughs> I mean, Frank, we've got to start with you on this one, right? We've got the Texans at the Lions. Texans are three-point favorites, but are you are you going to go for the tie here? I will put money on the tie, no matter what. I think you should, said it. Put, you should at least put money on it going to overtime. That alone, the odds are really good. Like the tie is maybe like the tie eight. is probably a hundred to one because it's it's like the highest they'll go, uh, you know, a lot of the times on the odds for sort of yeah. normal events, but just going to overtime, that's like usually, eight to one. No, 
it's usually in the in the 20 around 20, 16 to 20 to 1. Hmm. That's pretty good. I'm surprised you're like your voice and screen hasn't split into two. We're trying to decide which one to go for here. So I've got my, I've got the tie at 60 to 1. Wow. I've got overtime at 8 to 1. Oh, that's not so interesting. So is that your pick? Or do you want to give some rationale behind it? No. Um, Lions lost their last three Thanksgiving games. So that's an interesting stat. But they have covered the spread in six out of the last eight. So that stat could be a little misleading. Uh, but I'm going to have to side with Houston. The Texans won two out of their last three. They're on a hot streak right now. They're trying to roll in to the playoffs. Watson hasn't thrown a pick in five games. He's on fire right now. So the Lions just looked completely miserable against the Panthers. So I'll take the Texans. Yeah, I, I agree for the same reasons, to be honest. I, I think also just the fact that just saw Watson looks like he's actually cooking now and the Patriots win kind of showed that. Uh, the did, thing for did me... You say, did you say Desson? No, I, I kind of I had a little tickle in my throat as I said it. Jemias so and Desan. <laughs> yeah, that's the new... This, have you not heard of him? I don't know who you're confusing him with. Sounds like a good boy band. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But for me, I'm going for the... I, I, I think they're both pretty bad, but I think the Texans do have momentum at the moment and the Lions, any shred of what they had, went out of the window in that game against the Panthers. They were just completely... They were steamrolled. I, I can't go with them. And if anything, I think the spread's quite flattering uh, for the Lions. Like, I would I would have had this a bit closer to the seven. <laughs> like, that game, in my opinion, watching the highlights of it, I just couldn't overstate how bad it was just watching the Panthers completely take them apart. So, yeah, I'm going Texans undercover. I'm going to, just to make sure that one of us tips a winner, uh, to start Thanksgiving off. I'm going to take the Lions. I actually, I think they're the better team fundamentally here. Now, Deshaun Watson kind of scares me because obviously he is probably the best player involved in this game. And he has the ability to do unconventional things to help the Texans win it. But I think the Lions kind of have the edge in every aspect of the game with maybe the exception being Matt Patricia. But even then, I don't know. This might be one game when Matt Patricia isn't that much of a handicap in the coaching uh, sort of matchup. So I'm going to take the Lions to win and to end with the points. Quick shout out to Joe Burrow. Sean Watson also tore his ACL his rookie season. So there is still hope for sweet mouth after all. Well, I Yeah, he just didn't today. also tear his MCL, have severe structural <laughs> damage to his knee. <laughs> I I read about it though. Did you did you see what the noise was about Burrow? They said that they think he's due back. Was it? Just, ah! He's milking it. I think he's milking it. Apparently he's going to be back just before um the start of the next season is what they're saying. That's bullshit. Did uh did what's I mean, his no, face did what's his face call him out like he called out Nick Foles for being a baby? Who <laughs> was that? What analyst was it? Um, maybe it was Bart Scott. It might have been on ESPN. Said Nick Foles has got to stop being a wimp, and that he wasn't wow. injured and stop pretending like you are. On that one where he was like out 
because of his hip or something. <laughs> it is worth saying coming into this game, though. Deshaun watching it. Deshaun. Deshaun oh, Watson. Is he? Oh, yeah. is that He's, Sean Connery saying it? <laughs> yeah. Ah, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Deshaun Watson is uh, third on average yards per attempt uh, out of NFL quarterbacks this year. Nice. Read into that what you will. Yeah, good stat against you there. <laughs> um, I love the next game. Like it's the um, it's Washington at the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are three point favorites. And I just I just love the NFC East at the moment. I just love the fact that you've got these two teams. What are they, three and seven? One win behind the Eagles, and yet this takes on huge implications divisionally for who's going to top the division. I just, I don't know what you guys think, but that's just hilarious for a division, right? I'm torn. I sometimes think it's funny and sometimes I think it's really depressing. There's part of me that kind of was amused by the idea of a you know, 5 and 11 team being in the playoffs. And then there's part of me that just thinks what a depressing reflection of the quality of the league. And it's going to lead to a horrible, horrible uh, round one game. The interesting thing about this is that division's so close, but I would almost say whichever team loses this is out of the con- like running to win the division just because I don't see how they're going to suddenly win the additional game they, w- they would need. So I think the winner is nearly in pole position to win the division and the loser is kind of out of contention. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the... Because the other one as well is the Giants at the Bengals, which we'll get to, and the Giants are favorites for that game. So if they do win it, that loss takes on more implication in terms of who you've got to overtake as well. Um, who's your pick anyway for this one? So um, we've got, what, three-point favorites to the Cowboys? I'm going to take the Cowboys. I, I don't feel great about it. But, I mean, earlier on, right, when Andy Dalton took over the job from Dak Prescott... I said that I didn't think that Andy Dalton was that much of a downgrade. And I still kind of feel that way. And it seems like Elliot and their rushing game is kind of starting to come together. They've had over the past few weeks, a lot of players come back from injury. And so I just think they are a much better team uh, than this current version of the Washington team. So I'm going to tell you that. I did see a comment uh, on Twitter that made me laugh, which is, the only thing, like Andy Dalton getting hit on the head helped him forget how to be Andy Dalton. <laughs> like a comment after that Vikings wow. game. But uh, but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Vikings. Uh, the, sorry. <laughs> Whoa. I'm going to take the... Uh, <laughs> oh I'm God. not having a good day. Talk Have about you been hell in the head? Yeah, several times. But yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys and to cover the spread. Yeah, this one for me is, is a tough one because I feel either way I'm going to be angry if my pick loses because I can go, I, I, I can side on either team here, Washington, you know, Alex Smith seems to be playing better. Their defensive front is really strong and the Cowboys offensive line is, is just all over the place. I think that like only two of the starters are still starting. Um, so you have that risk that there's going to be a, ton of pressure on Dalton but the Cowboys if you just put them on paper compared to Washington they have so much more talent you know they have a potential to be decent if they can just put it together I understand their their defense sucks and that's whatever but Washington's offense isn't that great um so I I think I'm 
I've talked myself into the Cowboys here. You know, they beat the Vikings, who are a decent team. They held the Steelers to a close game the week before that. So let's – I'm hoping that they're trending in the right direction. Uh, worth noting, they're 1-8 and eight against the spread in home Thanksgiving games out of their last nine. So that's not a great statistic. But uh, I just don't think Washington is very good. I mean, they were, they were going to lose to the Bengals if it weren't for Joe Burrow getting hurt. So, and that would have been three straight losses for them. So Wait, you're, I'll, you're I'll, sure I'll stick with the Cowboys. Fact? It was like like 9-7 when he went went out there. Yeah, but the Bengals were dominating. They missed two field goals. They had a turnover on the one-yard line. I I mean, they they had double the yardage that the Reds, uh, Washington had. (laughs) Wow, you nearly did it. No, I didn't. I think uh, it's it's good to see Alex Smith putting up, was it, like two two back-to-back 300-yard games. So he's he's definitely got uh, Washington moving offensively but I don't know I uh, th- again I agree with Frank that this one this one will annoy me whichever way <laughs> like if if I if I go one way it'll go the other way I'll get really annoyed about it but I just think I'm gonna go with momentum at the moment and I think the Cowboys have it more than Washington do so um, wow I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in sports momentum I don't agree with Bill Barnwell that momentum doesn't exist I think <laughs> momentum might not exist for either of these teams any form of momentum the cowboys have it so i'll go with that i'll take that is inertia momentum <laughs> is that... uh yes because i need it to be <laughs> cowboys to be winning this game i mean it's only three points right and also i keep getting stung by washington whenever i want to back them i get stung by them so this could be one of those sods law kind of moments where, where they actually do turn it up and that's Sam, why it'll can... annoy me even more the fact that you said whenever I want to back them, I get stung by them. That's the first mistake you've made. You could that's just, true. oh, let's leave that part of the sentence out. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, next up, it'll be rescheduled, but it was meant to be the third game on the day. And probably, well, the best by a mile is um, the Ravens at the Steelers. And the Steelers are four-point favorite. Part of me feels like this is the this is the game where the Ravens turn up and then everyone says, look, this is the team we expected them to be. Suddenly they're Super Bowl contenders again. I can kind of see this storyline playing out. It seems like the most typical thing. And for also all those aspects of the Steelers game that don't seem totally, totally trustworthy, like those compile and and make everything go wrong for them. So there's that issue I have. That being said, the Ravens are going to be missing, I think, nine players because all of the players that were potentially, they've moved this game because of the number of COVID tests, but none of those players will be eligible to play on Sunday. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So that four line. Well, the the line I see is five and a half. Yeah. Hmm. I think four was the original line, and then it's moved because of... All right. Well, we should take that then. I mean, in fairness, we should take the five and a half. So I should move that Um, because I I took this a few hours ago. So, all right. Say five and a half point favorites. (laughs) What do we think? Yeah. I mean, in a way, it doesn't change my opinion. I think those, I think fundamentally the Steelers are the better team and those players being out for for the Ravens are just going to mean. 
they're going to be more and more reliant on Lamar Jackson. I think the Steelers are going to be able to get significant pressure on him. I think that kind of fundamentally the league has figured out how to play play him. And so teams are just kind of sticking to the game plan that limits the threat he poses on the ground. So I think the Steelers will win. I think they'll cover this spread, but it wouldn't stun me. I'm going to put, put that caveat in that I know you guys hate, but it wouldn't stun me if this is the game that everyone on Monday we're talking about. Well, look, this is the Ravens team. Everyone predicted them to be preseason. Yeah, I agree. The thing the Ravens have, well, not going for them, but the thing that they're going to bring into this game is desperation. I mean, they've lost three out of their last four now. They are desperate for a win, and they are desperate for a big win. You know, Lamar Jackson has been criticized this year about not being able to play the good teams, the big games. This is his next chance at a big game. They're quickly dropping down the playoffs list here. You know, they need a win, and that scares me. That's a team who, you know, can be coached up and and – Get a, get a fire under them to come out and overperform, I think, and kind of catch the Steelers. Not off guard. Obviously, the Steelers know what's coming for them, but, you know, play above what they normally would play for this week. Um, if what Eddie's saying that, that Dobbins and Ingram can't come back, then I still have to side with the Steelers here. Um, I picked the Steelers the first time they played the Ravens because the Steelers do shut down Lamar Jackson pretty well, and I think they can handle them again. Now, knowing that he would be the main rushing option, uh, it kind of makes them even a little more one-dimensional. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the Steelers, and I'll take the Steelers to cover. I think the desperation thing is interesting because the Browns are now sat on, what, seven and three? And I think they have an easier run-in than the Ravens. So uh, they've got a big problem now, the Ravens. So the desperation thing I can get, but I'll, I'll just look at the facts. I mean... Lamar Jackson in his last four games has thrown five touchdowns and four interceptions. I think the Ravens' last four games, they've they've either been sub-20 points or sub, like, maybe just a couple around the 20-point mark. So they're not scoring, and they go up against a Steelers team that has yielded the third-fewest points in the NFL this season. I, I th- I, I th- I'm going with Steelers. I'm going with that kind of logic that I've just laid out there. I, th- I think this will be a Steelers win. It, it does. The only thing that concerns me about the Steelers, if I was ever going to caveat it, is that you look at like the Cowboys game and they do have that capacity to just not win that well. And that would be the only thing holding me back. But I actually think that it, it's, it's the worst time for the Ravens to be playing this game because they need to stop this route of loss at the moment. And this is just not the game to do it with. Yes and no. I mean, I wouldn't overstate the desperation here because when you look at their six remaining games, okay, they play the Steelers and they play the Browns. So in terms of a seeding, this game is exceptionally important and the Browns game will be as well. But they also play the Cowboys, the Jags, the Bengals, and the Giants. So realistically, you're looking at four more wins at a, as a minimum from the remaining games. So They'll be fine when it comes to making the playoffs. It's just a question of what seed they have. I mean, I, can, I, don't, I don't know about five. right now. They're out of the playoffs right now. Yeah, they're, they're not in the playoffs and you have the Raiders, the Browns and the Titans, Titans ahead of them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not like they have any. Yeah. I think they'll get a better record than the Dolphins. And then after that, it's nothing. But I mean, they're already out of the playoffs as it stands. So I, I don't know look, who the Raiders have left. So the Raiders have the Falcons, the Jets, 
the Colts, the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Broncos. You're probably so maybe saying two four losses. wins. Four, I'd wins, say four there. wins there. Titans. I'd probably say they're well. Spoiler. Uh, I, I think they'll lose to the Colts. <laughs> so what's the Titans running like? The Titans, I, well, Titans are seven and three though. So they're the Titans have the Colts this week, the Browns, the Jags, the Lions, the Packers, and the Texans. So so far of the teams we've looked at, they have the same. They have the hardest, the hardest uh, yeah. running by yeah. some distance. But I mean, it, I would say if the Ravens lose two more, they're not making the playoffs. All this tells me is the Jags have got a really difficult running because they keep getting named. Like if it wasn't already tough enough for the Jags, it's tough now. But, I mean, Ravens have to win four out of their next six to have a chance. Okay, we're all saying they lose this one, so they need to win five. Four of the next five. I think if they win five out of their next six, they make the playoffs. Four so out of their this, next six is going to be close. The so Browns the Browns have the Browns have the Jags this week, then the Titans, then the Ravens, and then they have the Giants and the Jets. So I'm saying there are three wins from that. And then the, the big question mark for the Browns will be they play the Steelers week 17. Are they playing... Matter. Yeah. Are they playing a Steelers B team or are they playing the starters? That's going to be a huge one. Um, so that that's going to be interesting to see for them. Very interesting. Um, all right. So Steelers all over. So next up is the Cardinals or the Patriots and the Cardinals are two and a half point favorites. This is another one of those games here. I think the Cardinals are clearly the better team. That being said, every time I pick the Cardinals, they they blow it for me. So there's part of it. No, I, no matter which way I call a Cardinals game, they seem I seem to get it wrong. Also, the Patriots just have a habit this season of whenever you completely rule them out or kind of put them in the bad team category that they bounce back. I mean, that win against the Ravens is going to be one of the more bizarre wins of this year. Um, I'm going to take the Cardinals. I don't see a lot of reasons. I don't see a lot of positives here for the Patriots. I don't really see how they can stop the Cardinals from scoring. And even though the Cardinals have a bad defense, I actually don't really see how the Patriots can exploit those weaknesses because they just don't have many weapons offensively. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to take the, the Cardinals to win and cover the spread. I've got the same problem. Is that the Cardinals keep messing up whichever way I go with them. I go against them, I go for them. It almost doesn't matter at the moment, but... I think the Cardinals at the moment, are st they're still scoring. Even if defensively, they're not great. They're still scoring. And I think I, I'm going to keep it simple. I just think there's more to like about the Cardinals than the Patriots. Um, more to play for, for sure. For the Cardinals and the Patriots, I think the Patriots are, what, four and six? And their playoff hopes are, like, marginal. But they'll keep going. But I think the closeness of the line is fair. But I'm going with the Cardinals and to cover. Yeah, I'm going to stick with you guys. I'll go with the Cardinals. Um, Kyler Murray has been playing pretty fantastic lately. He's going up against the defense that's ranked dead last in DVOA. So they struggled against the Texans and Watson, and I don't see them suddenly being much more capable against a much better offense. So the only issue is obviously Arizona's defense, but I don't think the Patriots have enough firepower to keep up with Arizona's offense. All right. Uh, next up is the Panthers at the Vikings. So the Vikings are four-point favorites. Is 
what's the drip looking like, Eddie? Is Cousins back for this one? Is the Panthers' <sighs> result a bit too? Was it was it good enough to maybe make you think twice about that four point favorite? Well, the, good answer. It's exactly Cousins, how I think about this game. <laughs> the Kirk Cousins IV may now be meaningless. The I think the body might be dead, and so. No matter how powerful that IV is, I don't think it can revive the corpse. So from that perspective, I think that Cowboys game might have been the final nail in the coffin. Um, that being said, I do think the Vikings are Vikings are the significantly better team uh, here. And even though they lost against the Cowboys in that second half, they looked kind of like the way the Vikings have been looking at times this season, which is they have an explosive offense. Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback statistically in the league in the fourth quarter. His fourth quarter stats are incredible. And if he can just play that way for maybe one extra quarter, it would probably be nice. Um, but I think, I think they'll, they'll do what the Vikings do here, which is they'll get a win that kind of keeps them alive um and delays i think the inevitable but yeah I, i'm gonna take them to win and to cover the spread yeah you, you, you took my thunder there i was gonna say just when you think the vikings are out they start coming back and then they lose again and you think they're out and then they start coming back again so the, who knows this could be another run of three four games they have where they go above 500 and then you think they're back and then they lose a shitty game at the end to miss the playoffs um I think Eddie should keep the IV in cousins has just one interception in his last four games. So that loss, like Eddie said the other day, that wasn't cousins fault. So I, I still think Eddie's slightly healthy taking that IV and I think he'll be healthy this Sunday as well. I'm not sold on the Panthers. Um, I haven't been all season. Um, I'll continue to doubt them. I'll take the Vikings. I've actually, I've actually enjoyed back in the Panthers this time because you two don't like them. And I've actually picked up some good kind of leverage against you in the um, ATS. But the, the, the problem for the Panthers in this game is that when I look at their last three, and I could, I could easily look at that 20-0 uh, blowout win and be like, okay, well, this is good. There could be some value here. But the previous two games, they let up 79 points. <laughs> like and then they go and have this blowout and then they hold them to zero so the defense does nothing then does everything I th it's I worth think saying before you make your pick the vikings also are averaging 7.19 yards on first downs which is the second most in league history oh, wow i mean that actually probably, I, I was going Vikings anyway into cover, but that probably just helps even more. The fact is that the Panthers, they played a Lions team that were pretty terribly, but also they had a lot of injuries offensively. So I, I would prefer to treat that as the exception to an ongoing rule that the Panthers have a bad defense and I'd rather take the Vikings. So I'll, I'll go with you guys. And um, we seem to be agreeing a lot at the moment. It's not really helping anyone get back up to Eddie in the uh, in the stats which isn't helping but let's see what happens in the next one so the browns are the jags and the uh, browns are six and a half point favorites every week right we have this one team that we think is being disrespected a little bit in the spread it's the super and, bowl it's the super yeah. bowl <laughs> yeah well, it's not good let's not go through that again but i think it's this week it's the browns 
I kind of don't get why. I mean, the only reason why they are only six six and a half point favorites in my mind is because the way they play means that games tend to stay close, even if they aren't close in result. It's just that they don't score 40 points, right? They run the ball. It's slow. They kind of strangle, slowly strangle the opposition. Um, And so... I get it that you're not expecting them to suddenly win by 25 points. So you're not going to set this set the spread too high, but it does surprise me a little bit that this is under a touchdown. Uh, and so by that reckoning, I'm taking the Browns and I'm taking them to cover the spread. Browns are, Browns are interesting, right? Because I looked at their inconsistently inconsistency offensively. And I think there's four games where they've scored 10 points or less in wins and losses. But then in the others, they've scored just upwards of 32, uh, so around 32, 34. So they can clearly blow teams out. They also keep it close. I also think that some of the reasons they've been close though is the weather. Like the Browns have played recently in notoriously bad weather. Now they're going to play in what is relatively normal and warm comfort of Florida. And I think that will help Mayfield. I think that will help the team. And I, I think I said it um, a couple of weeks ago that Luton kept the Jags competitive, or at least they were playing competitive football in the same way that we say the Bengals have been competitive. The Jags a bit more haplessly have been competitive, but I can't see that now. So ultimately it, I'm, I'll take the Browns as well. It's, it's worth noting, right? That the starting QB in this QB in this game is going to be uh, Mike Glennon. Ah. Yeah. Which is yeah. a shame because, because I would have felt way more confident had it been Jake Luton. I mean, his, he kind of had moments of looking competent, but overall he was not very good. And he had the record he had thrown. And he became the first uh, quarterback since Peyton Manning to have his first four games. Now this is Peyton Manning in 2015, bear in mind, not Peyton Manning at the beginning of his career to have, uh, have a game with four plus interceptions, two plus sacks and zero TDs, which is what he managed against the, uh, against the Steelers. Yeah, I think the Browns will win this. Um, they're without Garrett and Denzel Ward, though. So their two best defensive players are both out. Is it, what is it? What's the spread? Six and a half. I'll take the Jags with the points. Wow. I was going to say but something the, has the to Browns change. To win. But the Browns to win. I, I, I think... I think the Browns are just going to do what they've been doing and, and ground and pound the shit out of the ball. And, you know, like Eddie said, they're not putting up huge offensive numbers because of it. So, you know, you could get a late backdoor score to, to get it under seven. I'll just pound and pound and pound the back door. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yep. Pound that back door open. Um, next up. Charges at the Bills, and the Bills are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, this one's interesting because when you look at the Bills, um, uh, the defense prior to their bye was getting absolutely torn apart. I think they gave up like nearly 900 yards. Um, they gave up a lot of points as well, but simultaneously the offense was still ticking. Like Allen was averaging a fair whack of touchdowns a game. I think it was like three or four a game. And he's going up against the Chargers team where Justin Herbert continues to impress. And the thing I like about the Chargers when the spread gets this much is that they don't lose by much, ever, I think. So they've, what, they're three and seven at the moment, but 
all seven of those losses have come by one score. So the five and a half is interesting because it's just at that kind of, like if it was above seven, I'd be hands down taking the charges. So it's just at that interesting point where I'm like, they lose, but they usually lose within the score. So I'm going to trust that the Bills defense is still not firing and that Herbert continues to whilst Allen continues to. So I'm going to take the Bills, but I'm going to take um, the charges to cover. So I'll take the five and a half. This one, he got the Bills coming off a bye. Disappointing loss to the cards with the Hell Murray, which is now trademarked by Kyler Murray. Um, so I think they're going to really come out firing here. Uh, you know, they want to they want to turn this around and they want to go into the playoffs with some momentum. And I think this is a good game now coming off that bye to really start building up some momentum. So I think the Bills are going to win and I think they're going to give it to the Chargers. Herbert's playing great, but eventually he's due to have a not so amazing game. And this, this could be one of them. Yeah, uh, this is a difficult one. Here's a real question in order for the bills to not lose by more than five and a half, I mean, sorry, the chargers to not lose by more than five and a half points. How many points do they need to be winning by in the fourth quarter? <laughs> I mean, they tend to be up at least three touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing to factor in, right? I mean, this is a team that gives away points for fun in the fourth quarter. Um, And that would be the other thing that scares me a little bit about taking them with the points is that, you know, that there's going to be a period in the game where the bills will have two or three drives in a row where they move the ball and score points. And so even if Herbert is very good again, I think he's going to have to be to keep this game kind of close. And so for that reason, I'm taking the bills. I'm going to take them to cover the spread. This is probably a game that would tempt me a little bit with the over. Not that I'm an overs guy, but uh, yeah, it's like 53, 50. Yeah. I, I, I take that based on, but, you know, yeah. based on the advice as well. Yeah. The chargers are like Oprah in the fourth quarter. You get a touchdown and you get a touchdown. You get two touchdowns. <laughs> Worth noting that Herbert, through his first nine games, is uh, has the three three most t- uh, has the most the third most three TD games by a QB in their first nine starts. Loves a big set of TDs. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> nice. Can you guess who the two quarterbacks are ahead of him? Could you say the tongue twister again, and then I'll third overall in the <laughs> with the most. <laughs> Three plus TD games through his first nine games. So everything multiples of three. Except not. Yeah, a multiple. Okay. Um, yeah. Mahomes? Correct. Number two. Frank is far more likely to get number one. I'll say he's not a current player. And I'll give a clue that he is on TV. That's not a great clue because most great quarterbacks <laughs> from history are kind of on TV. But he is uh, he's on Matt TV. Matt Hasselbeck. No. <laughs> Kurt Warner. Wow. Oh, okay. Kurt Warner. Got a picture Kurt of him Warner. on my refrigerator. Seven of his first nine games, he threw for three plus TDs. Why? That's a tricky one because, you know, he didn't, he wasn't really a rookie. He's a rookie in the NFL, yeah. but. And know. it is specifically first nine starts, it has to be said, too. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, Raiders at the Falcons and the uh, Raiders are three point favorites. Um, Frank, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I think this is one of those games that Eddie said 
we feel a team gets slightly disrespected. And I think this spread could be a little disrespectful to the Raiders. I mean, they're coming off a game where they pushed the Chiefs to the limit. Again, if it wasn't for Mahomes just being, you know, calm and cool under pressure like he always is, they probably don't win that game. And other than that, they've been cruising through um, the last three games before that. So you have a Falcons team who doesn't seem to really care anymore. And I don't know if they should care anymore. So I'm going to stick with the Raiders here. I think three is is a, a flattering score. Um, they're four and one on the road as well, the Raiders. So that's not an issue. And I'll, I'll stick with them. I like that stat as well about their road on the road performance. You know, they've been what Saints and the Chiefs. And then they had the heartbreaking loss against the Chiefs again. I, I know not on the road, but it still must hurt as well. So I, I really like the Raiders in this one. I also think um, last time I read Julio Jones was questionable. And I don't know if he's playing, but that's actually been one. Falcons, I wouldn't really say have had a resurgence recently, but it's been one of the best outlets for Ryan recently. So if he's not playing, that three suddenly looks great. I would take the three anyway. The Raiders are just a better team. So um, I'll take the Raiders under cover. Now, if you're the Falcons, do you look for a QB in this draft? Yeah. That was was an interesting point because um, they brought up the idea of Cap going to the Bengals. Um. So they were kind of bringing up some things. They've actually, they've come out and said that Allen's going to play tonight. Well, this weekend, sorry. So I guess it won't be. But it was interesting to think that there's a lot of QBs needed at the moment. And you start to think Colin Kaepernick comes up a little bit more every time. Needed, I don't know. I think there's a lot of teams that could make, because Frank's right, like the Falcons fall into that category of they could give up on Matt Ryan and move on. Or they could tell us that they're sticking with him because he's not it's not like he's close to retirement, right? And then you have similarly like the team, a team like the Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo, where they could cut ties with him, or they could stick with him and you and you can see a team spinning it sort of either way. I mean, Ryan's thirty five. Yeah, but nowadays QBs play until they're forty easily, right? Like, yeah. You know, there's no reason to think modern era quarterbacks 35 36 37 they they're fundamentally produced like they did when they were 28 it's not like he was a mobile quarterback so you know well um they get tired look at brady against the rams (laughs) (laughs) just can't play night games they just get sleepy and can't good 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 news the falcons are not going to be playing many primetime games anytime soon so (laughs) so matt ryan's matt Matt ryan's bedtime is not going to be challenged but personally yeah i would just from the standpoint i think things around surrounding the falcons are so negative that the only way to give a kind of feel like you're restarting everything and getting that positive vibe back is to bring a young quarterback in. And that immediately gives you the feel that you're rebuilding. Whereas as long as you still got the 35 year old quarterback who's been with you his entire career, it just feels like, okay, you're, you're, you're kind of changing, you're kind of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic a little bit. Right. Um, You know, it's not like you said a shortage of, yeah, it's not like he's at a shortage of weapons and talented players around him. And I don't think it's his fault that they're bad, but you, you need the fresh face in there to kind of just bring some energy back. Um, 
I don't actually think I made my pick. No, you just, haven't, but I, yeah. I'm going to semi-assume that it's the Falcons after that appraisal. Yeah, no, no I, I agree with Frank. <laughs> this is a little bit disrespectful to the Raiders. I think it should be a slightly higher spread. Um, the Falcons fundamentally got manhandled by the Saints by the end of that game. Um, and I just don't see why... I don't see a lot to like about the Falcons. I mean, they've shown glimpses of being competent, but nothing more. And the Raiders have done nothing but kind of impress in most of the games that they play. So, yeah, I'm taking I'm taking the Raiders. All right. Uh, Dolphins are the Jets, and Dolphins are seven-point favorites. Talk about an overreaction line. This is it to me. Like, what would this line have been had the Dolphins won last week? That's the real question for me. It would have been at least 10. So I don't really get it. I'm not taking the Jets only like, oh, to keep a game within a score. That doesn't happen very often. Um, so I'm going to take kind of keep it simple here and, and assume that this is a nice game for Tua to come back in, kind of put the QB controversy to bed by putting up some stats against a very bad Jets team. So I'm taking the Dolphins to win and to cover the spread. Quick question. Um, Jets 0-10. It will unsurprise you to say that they're now out of postseason contention. Do you just lose Literally. now to get first round? Like, what's the... Well, they don't have here? to. They can still win two and still get first at this point. <laughs> but do you see my point? It's like, do you... Like, does that gamesmanship happen, obviously? So I think it depends. I think from an organizational standpoint, they've been doing that for... 11 weeks i think one could say yeah. three years why, why yeah. break a why break a habit of a lifetime i mean right? i think it's why they haven't fired their coach right i mean like this is clear they are intent on wrapping this season up with the number one pick and taking the qb that they hope fixes or at least like fixes a lot of their issues and probably bringing in a new coach and doing all that from an individual player standpoint i doubt that many of them get on board with the idea of tanking just because a, it's a dangerous game, right? So how can you kind of go play the game in like second gear and risk getting hurt? Two, you're playing for contracts, you're playing for yeah. your future. So you can't just, you'd have to have a lot of trust in the Jets to be like, hey guys, just so you know, I'm on board with the tanking. So I'm, gonna, I'm in the secondary and I'm just going to let this guy burn me a few times, but it's not because I'm terrible. It's just because I have the team's interests at heart. You know, like that would look like a joke on the pitch as well, wouldn't it? Just some guy <laughs> that you know can run the pace, just being like, "Oh, I fell." Yeah, <laughs> and then in certain positions, right? Like if you're a quarterback, I mean, I guess it's not really an issue for Joe Flacco, but you're also losing to get to so they can draft your replacement. Like you're, you're fundamentally being like, "No, I would like this guy to take my job." Um, so I, I just think they're incompetent. You know, like that's the thing. Uh, I think they're just bad all around in every aspect of the game. And I don't think they have that many players. You know, Frank made that statement last time out about how many Giants players would be on the rosters of other teams. How many Jets players would be on the rosters of other teams? It's Actually, probably... that's what I said. I said how many Jets players would be on the roster. No, but you, say, but you said it in the... <laughs> A few years ago, the, the Giants, the Giants defense, had like right? the worst defense last year and two years ago, yeah. Yeah, the Jets, it wouldn't be a ton. You know, there'd be a lot of practice squad players there. I mean, the Jets yeah. are going to draft Trevor Lawrence, right? That's the that's the idea, I guess. That's the that's the idea, yes. Yeah, because yes. maybe I, they'll I, mess it up. 
I read about that idea that he may defer to stay at school so he doesn't have to play for the Jets team. Like, but obviously, obviously. I jokes, mean, but. like, I, I could see an Eli Manning like situation. I, I mean, look at the last QB they drafted high and Sam Darnold. He's had an absolute miserable run at it. And I was one who was never a huge Darnold fan, but still, I think he is underachieving for the talent level he has because he's put in, in a terrible situation. And look at Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow was in a better situation, but not surrounded with enough talent to protect him. And now he's out for the year. Do you want to be Trevor Lawrence and go to a team that you could potentially tear your ACL first game? Uh, I don't know. It's it's risky. I, I, I don't know. Too many variables in that one to say. Yeah. Like, I could here, here's, the real, here's the real issue if you're Trevor Lawrence. You look at the teams that are bad right now. So if you look at the current draft order as it stands, it's Jets, Jags, Bengals, Washington, Chargers, Giants, Falcons, Cowboys, and the Dolphins through a trade. So some of those teams don't need a quarterback and won't be, you know, in the case, like the Dolphins aren't going to be drafting a quarterback anytime soon. Um, the Bengals probably, unless something in crazy happened, the Bengals are not drafting a quarterback anytime soon. The Chargers aren't. Um, so you look at that. Who do you have? Hmm? So who else is there? Washington. So Jets, Jags. So Jets, yes, quarterback. Jags, you'd assume, yes, quarterback. Washington, yes, to a quarterback. Giants, yes, to a quarterback. Falcons, potentially, yes, to a quarterback. And Cowboys, depends on what they're doing with Dak, iffy. But based on what Jerry Jones is saying, where he's like, no, 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 Dak Prescott is the man, you're assuming Dallas, no, to a quarterback. So you're looking at in this current draft in the top 10, four or five potential landing spots. But what you then have to think to yourself is if I stay in one more year, all these bad teams are going to be bad next year. So it's going to be the same list yeah. of teams. It's not like all of a sudden, you know, the, oh, well, the Packers are suddenly have the second pick. What an amazing spot for me to be in. It's going to be like, oh, instead of going to the Jets this year, I'm going to the Jags next year. Like what's going to change? Yeah, no, I think I think he comes out. But what I was saying is he pulls the Eli Manning and refuses to play and demands a trade. But to who? I think I'd rather play for well the Jags. I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> rather play for the Jags. They're I'd terrible. rather play for Washington. Really? And yeah, because it I mean you talked about the risk of going to Cincinnati and and, and having your knee broken. It's going it's going to Washington is just locking you in for a severe leg injury. It's true. That is true. Yeah, I to was just me, thinking you have Alex Smith there and he could, I feel like he'd be a really good person to, to kind of help work you into the league. You know, he's a really good worker, hard work ethic. He could kind of teach you a lot of the ins and outs of being an everyday, you know, QB, but. You don't think Joe Flacco could do that? No, I don't think Joe Flacco's going to be there. Well, I mean, by that logic, right, Alex Smith might, I'm going to guess Alex he ain't Smith. going anywhere. He, he could be signed by the Jets. You know what I mean? I, I, when I look at this, short of making a trade, of like getting them to make a trade for Hawkins. a team way down, I'd, I'd be, if I'm, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm spinning the idea of being like the king of New York. I was going to say, does that matter that much where you go? Like, is the idea of being in New York granted two pretty bad teams there at the moment, but is that better? Like a lot of people say that, you know, one of the appeals of coming to the UK would be London. 
so is is it the same in the US with like New yeah, York? You get more spotlight. I, I think it goes both ways. You know, you get more spotlights, you're gonna get more attention, but then also negatively, if you start performing badly, you're getting way more attention. Uh, you know, I, I would say look at Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones stats are bad enough that it wouldn't matter where he is. He's gonna get look, the attention look at Eli for being Manning. bad. Yeah. Like you're talking about a quarterback who won two Super Bowls, but towards the end of his career just spent years being attacked by people. And probably if he'd been the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he'd won two Super Bowls, he probably would have just gracefully retired and had a few years where he wasn't kind of relevant. Yeah. I mean, just to clear up this game easily as well with the Jets. I mean, I I agree with Eddie. I mean, it's crazy that this is a seven line. I mean... (laughs) They were torn apart by the Chargers. And granted, I took the 10, but, you know, with the Jets, but they were absolutely torn apart by them. And really what you're saying is, is that rookie and two are going to have another bad game? And potentially, but it doesn't mean that the Jets, uh, it doesn't mean that the Jets will win or come close. Chua just needs to turn up. And I think this will be a good game to bounce back. It's like a perfect game to come back to, right? So I'm, I'm taking the Dolphins for this. You also raise a good point. The Chargers were in complete control of that game and they let the uh, Jets back in. But you're also talking about a Chargers team that were in complete control and favored by 10 and had just lost to the Dolphins relatively convincingly. So if you kind of just try and stack it up that way, it, it seems a little bit of an odd line. You know what they say, Sam? Sometimes something's so crazy, it might just work. I'm going to take the Jets with the points. That's okay. not that crazy. It's only crazy if you take the Jets to win. And I'm going to take the Dolphins to win. <laughs> no, I, I think, yeah, with Eddie's logic, this should be a blowout. But there's just something about the way that was handled last week that either Tua is going to bounce back and have a great game, or like we said, he's going to be more hesitant, more looking over his shoulder, not make the potentially risky but great plays he could and i'm gonna go with that being the case and i think he's gonna play super super conservative and just kind of ride out the clock with a win and i think the jets could hang in there all right next wait up. Real, real, real quick interesting to note the leading rusher in this game 37 year old frank gore <laughs> crazy <laughs> yeah all right next up is the um giants of the bengals and um, the Giants are six-point favorites. I mean, uh, the line just shows how brutal that um, unfortunate incident was to Burrow, right? They've just confirmed that, uh, was it Allen is going to start for the Bengals? So uh, th- I think- this, this, this game wins the weekly award of game. I will not, of the game, I will not be spending more than a minute watching. I know Frank will be because of, because it's the Giants, but I can confirm that this game will get none of my attention on Sunday. Um, I'll keep this one quick. I might have picked the Giants even if Joe Burrow was playing because I have not thought the Bengals were good at any point this season. I mean, I think Burrow has looked good, and I think he's helped them to score points and put together good drives at certain times. But all around, they've not been a good team. So I think even if he had been playing, I would have probably still been picking the Giants, and this makes it even easier. I'm definitely taking the Giants to win. Seems a little bit weird taking the Giants to win a game by more than six points, considering how bad they are, but 
I'm, I'm going to do it. I think uh, I understand, but I, I think the thing with the Bengals, right? Like with Burrow, they've still played competitive football. There was two blowout losses, and everything else has been within very close scores. I don't know whether to take that that five and a half. It just the idea of Daniel Jones. I mean, what is it like? Eight touchdowns, nine interceptions this season. I I know they've got a little bit better, but I think the Giants will win. I'm just kind of teetering on that fact that will the Bengals cover? I really don't know. Um, well, you, you kind of have to give us an answer. Yeah, I do. Don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the Giants to win, and I'm gonna go with the Bengals to cover. Interesting. They're competitive, right? And they've still got a lot of their weapons that are usually there, like Mixon and Boyd are still going to be playing. So if Allen comes in and he plays a competent game, you're just waiting on Daniel Jones to mess up. And I think that that'll matter in a six-point kind of line. It was almost one of the reasons why, like, the Chargers, they were 10-point favorites, but they were 2-7. and it's like, can you really back a team at that kind of level of favoritism to, to to kind of blow a team out like that? And I think six is pretty close to that for a terrible work for a bad team. So I don't know. I'm I'm going Giants, but I'll take the Bengals to cover. Yeah, I'm I'm going Giants here. Um, Giants have looked pretty good lately. Daniel Jones is not turning the ball over anymore. That's huge. Um, I think he he might not have any turnovers in the last two games, maybe one, something like that. But for him, great stats. If he can keep that up, I don't see how the Bengals have a chance. Let's put this in perspective. When Burrow went down, the Bengals had 260 yards of offense in the first half. When he went down, when they put in Finley, they had 17 points and an interception and a turnover on downs. So you are having a dramatic loss of offense. Um, and I think bringing in someone who I, was he on the practice squad? I, I mean, hasn't had any first first team reps all year. Yeah, okay, give him four days of practice. That's not going to help that much. So I don't see their offense suddenly exploding again with with a scouting quarterback, scout team quarterback. So I'll take the Giants here, and I'll take them to cover. You do not think it's and, two for Jones, and that will put them in first <laughs> if the it's Giants it's- win here. I, I think it's and the Eagles lose. Daniel Jones. That's what I'm going for here. I'm going for the fact that Daniel Jones will mess up at some point, and I'm hoping it's this game. So let's see. Um, all right, next up is the uh, Titans at the Colts, and the Colts are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Is, is this the game of the week? It's either I mean, this one or Ravens. Uh, I mean, there's three good games, I guess. The Steelers-Ravens game is pretty good, and the Chiefs-Bucks game is also a pretty good game. This yeah. might be the game of the week in that I it's the good game that I feel the least certain about. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. For sure. I don't know how that <laughs> improves its but this is this is a game where you could basically tell me anything happens. Like honestly, you could tell me either of these teams wins by 20 points and it wouldn't amaze me. I mean, so, 2 weeks ago, right? The Colts won 34 to 17 and then still in my head for some reason I'm thinking I think the Titans should be favored and I don't know why but it's just always that feeling with the Titans I can never get a grasp on them so I don't yeah you have Colts won four out of their last five I mean they're on fire but for some reason I'm still tempted to take the Titans (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, what's good about them though, the Colts for me, is that they're they're kind of adding layers to the way they're winning as well recently. So, you know, the really good win, the blowout win against the Titans, but then the comeback win against the Packers. I feel like offensively, like Philip Rivers put in a great game. Um, and defensively, uh, he did. I mean, he threw over 300 yards, three touchdowns, nearly 300 yards, sorry. Yeah, it's a good that's game. Not, it's by a moderns, it's a good game. It's a fine game by modern quarterback standards. I'll tell you this. My feelings on Philip Rivers were I'd feel a lot better about the Colts this game if you told me he was injured and Jacoby Brissett was starting. I'd like the Colts even more. That's wait, where I am on. But wait, I mean, so for an example here, Herbert threw against the Jets, what is it, like 330 and three touchdowns or four touchdowns? And that was apparently yeah. a perfect game, like an incredible game from Herbert. So I, I'm not really, I wouldn't say you would have to I, watch every game to understand so truly I, a QB well, performance, but yeah. So here's having watched both of those games, Herbert looked much more explosive and dangerous against a much worse team. Obviously the difference is Herbert's a rookie, right? So you're judging him by the standards of in your ninth start, how comfortable do you look against an NFL defense? What kind of throws can you make? Phillip rivers is not a rookie. He has as many children's children as Justin Herbert has starts. So, oh, I thought you were gonna go with I thought you were gonna go with acne. <laughs> Wait, what? Well, you're like pieces kids of pimples. Acne. <laughs> yeah, as many well, kids as he has too. pimples. But but he, you know, so I'm expecting to see more. Philip Rivers was brought in to make this team a Super Bowl contender. Fundamentally, that's why they went out and got him, and. So I'm expecting to see Super Bowl caliber quarterbacking from him week in, week out. And last week against the Packers, first half he was terrible. And the second half, their defense stepped up and got them back into that game. I mean, he kept being put in great field position time after time. And even then actually didn't punch it in every time. And it, it almost prevented them from coming back because there were some a couple times they got field goals instead of touchdowns. But uh, it's difficult having watched that Thursday night game a couple of weeks ago to see why suddenly this was the, the script would flip on this one. It just seemed like the Colts have the edge kind of everywhere. Um, and so I'm going to take the Colts to win and cover the spread. But as ever, Philip Rivers kind of hangs there as this risk that I don't like, the kind of wild card that I don't like having in my pick. I mean, for me, I'm going Colts and cover. I, I think the Titans are giving up just under 30 points a game. I think it's about 27 points a game or something like that. I think the Colts will score that easily. I think the Titans will as well. One thing I like about this game is the over. Um, it's about 50, I think, at the moment. And I think that's a pretty good... Um, want to take for an over. I think this will be a pretty explosive and high-scoring game. Um, I don't. Okay. I'm just saying. No, that's I fine. Don't, no, I don't like the over at all on this because I don't... Okay. I never like the over fundamentally. I mean, I, as I said, I'm not an over-unders guy. I don't like the over whenever um, a, the running game is a key component of one of the teams involved. It always scares me because fundamentally, if the Titans just get to a point where they go ground and pound, you're going to see an eight-minute drive result in three points, and the over is gone just from that. I, I agree with you. I, I guess it could work both ways. Is that For the Titans, this is basically a must-win now in terms of their play on run, but also the divisional run with the Colts. So 
they may not be able to play that run game at some point in this. So it may be a different game for that reason, but I'll, I'll still go with it. I like the over, but I'll, I'll go with the, I'm still going with the Colts on this one. I, I actually think they, they're starting to get the makings of like a kind of really good conference winning team at the moment, but like offensively and defensively, they seem to be doing the things they need to do. And I guess I'll caveat that with the Rivers thing, but they're still doing what they need to do offensively and they're still really rock solid defensively. So yeah, for me, the three and a half was actually quite a nice spread to take. Well, I've talked myself into the Titans. They were up at half the last time they played and kind of just lost the plot. And, you know, had a, I think I had a blocked punt for a touchdown or blocked kick field goal. I think it was a punt for a touchdown and then had a missed field goal because Gostowski is terrible. Special teams overall custom, right? They had the block punt for the touchdown. Then also, I think their punter had like a 14-yard punt. When like a four-yard punt. When he just shanked it. And oh, then my they had God. The, then they yeah. had the missed back miss field goal as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that was killer. So I'm going to say the Titans correct those mistakes and don't screw up on special teams, although Gostowski is a terrible liability this year. Uh, but I'll stick with the Titans. I like the three points, and I'll take the Titans to win. Okay. Um, next up is... Saints Broncos for me, um, for me, <laughs> for everyone. But uh, Saints are the Broncos, and the Broncos, uh, sorry, the Saints are five and a half point favorites. Um, I look at the stats of this one, and I just think this has the makings of like a potential like small blowout win here. Like I think the Saints looked awesome. Well, looked good against the Falcons. They've looked really good going through it. But also, you just look at the Broncos statistically speaking, and they're. Um, They've got like the fifth fewest points in the NFL, but they give up the sixth most as well. And I, I just see this being like saints all over. The only thing that worries me is whenever I go against the Broncos at home, they always seem to do something with it. But for me, I really like the saints in this one. So I'm taking them and I'll take them to cover the five and a half. This is my survivor pick of the week. I went with the saints. My worry is now the Broncos have a week of tape on Taysom Hill and they can kind of see what they're going to try and do. Whereas last week it was a little bit of a surprise as to how they were going to run the offense. Um, and, you know, you saw that he had a lot of rushes, uh, some good yards to get two rushing TDs, but ultimately new Orleans defense has let up one touchdown in their last three games. That's a great stat. And you have drew lock coming in, who is a turnover machine. So I expect a bunch of turnovers and I expect the saints defense to kind of take this game over and even if Hill can only put up 17 points, I think that's going to be enough. Not that I'm saying they won't score more, but you know, I think he has the ability to throw up a relatively average game and still come through with a win. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of slipped under the radar, but um, the Saints are on course to be a kind of historically good offense in some respects. Um, actually they and the Packers are the first teams since 2007. They, they might surpass the Patriots in becoming the first team. Well, the beat the Patriots record to of averaging more than one and a half touchdowns in a single quarter. So that's like a kind of an interesting indication of just how good their offense is at times. So yeah, this just seems like a mismatch really in every area of the game, the saints have a good defense. 
Um, offensively, I think with Taysom Hill having one more, having had that week as a starter, you just expect that he'll get more comfortable and that they'll, the plays that they draw up will be more suited to him in terms of having a, a full game plan with him as quarterback. Um, so yeah, I think the Saints, this should be a comfortable win for them. So I'm going to take you yeah, on the Saints to win and the Saints to cover the spread. All right. Uh, four to go. Uh, 49ers at the Rams and the Rams are seven point favorites. Now, uh, 49ers have got a few players coming back. If I saw that right, kind of like Debo Samuel is coming back and maybe Sherman. I, I don't know if Niners Nation wants to confirm this, but I saw apparently after their bye week that it seems to be slightly more people coming back from their ever-lending injury list. Yeah, Sherman's back in practice. Raheem Mostert's back. Wilson's back. So, uh, you know, they they do look like they'll have more players. Uh, Eric Armstead should be back. Uh, he's no longer on the COVID uh, protocol list. So they're... They should be stronger. Um, I don't know. Three against the Rams. Less frail. Against Goff and the Rams. Less frail. Uh, I don't know whether Richard Sherman, I know Frank will leap on this anyway. I don't know if Richard Sherman coming back helps them. I think he's fundamentally been out for about two and a half years. Definitely but, hurts them. <laughs> but uh, I'm a little torn on this one. I think that I'm pretty confident the Rams will win the seven points. You know, the Niners consistently, they're well coached and they're always motivated for games. We kind of spoke about this a little bit, right? Um, a couple of weeks ago. You just, I think it's a little bit of a risk, but I feel like this is, it's going to stick to my other rule, which is take the good team. Um, after a win? <laughs> yeah. yeah. For a second, I almost after a convincing, convincing win? Yeah. What do you want with that? Oh, what do you con- want? Wait, three point convincing win now? Um, yeah, I, I think I think I'll take I think I'll take the, the Rams obviously to win. I think I'll take them to cover the spread. Um I don't feel great about it though. It's right on the cusp. If so, this was seven and a if this was seven and a half, I'd take the Niners. So yeah, this this I'll keep it quick. For me, the the Rams are always that team that we talk about. Come out, play phenomenal, you you're sold, then you pick them, and then they throw a stinker up there. However, Against teams that are under 500, they're five and one this year, scoring, uh, winning by over nine points. San Fran has lost three games in a row by double digits, so I kind of just have to stick with those trends. I'll take the Rams to win and the Rams to cover. Yeah, the Rams seem to have that good ability of just being inconsistent. So you look at them, and they had they lost to the 49ers in October, then beat the Bears, then lost to the Dolphins, then beat the Seahawks and the Bucks. So. Two pretty good wins, actually, recently. I don't know. I With those players coming back, you kind of think the Niners have won the last three against the Rams. I kind of like it when things like that. There's always that making of like a trap team or like a bogey team. Um, I will say this. I think defensively, I think Robert Sala and it, defensively, they know the schemes to run to cause golf issues. I think there is where you're right. Comparing the previous three games to this one in terms of the weapons they have available offensively, I don't think is a smart comparison. But I think you are looking at a team that knows how to contain uh, this Rams offense. Yeah, I just... It's been hard to back 
the Niners this season just because of the completely up and down nature of who's playing, who's injured, etc. And I, I, oh, come I, on, Sam! They haven't I, had that many injuries. Every NFL like, team has injuries. Oh, here we go again. I saw some crazy things like thirty-one, thirty-two different times throughout the season where someone's been put either back on or off the injury list. It's like no, 32. no, you read that wrong. It's thirty-two times that Eddie's complained that the Niners aren't good because of injuries. Oh, but there's only been 11, 12 weeks. How is that possible? Yeah, and that's Three how many fucking times we got to listen to Eddie <laughs> complain about it. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go to Rams. I'm, I'm gonna value the momentum of the last two wins for the Rams. So I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna go with the Rams and to cover. Speaking of who they beat, I think it's a pretty good game. Uh, we got the Chiefs at the Bucks, and the Chiefs are three and a half point favorites. Not often you see that close for the Chiefs. I am picking an upset in this one. I am taking the Bucks to beat the Chiefs and obviously taking them with the points. I actually think this is a kind of good matchup for the Bucks in that the, the thing that separates Tom Brady's good performances from his bad performances are when teams get pressure on him. And I do not think the Chiefs will get pressure on him. I think the one of the underrated storylines of this season is how bad the Chiefs' defense is. I think it kind of showed itself in the game against the Raiders. But I do not think that this is a good defense. And for that reason, I think when you look at Tom Brady, he has a quarterback rating of 103.7 under a normal rush and an average of 7.91 yards per attempt. And then when you look at that, when he's blitzed, that drops to 5.98 yards per attempt and a quarterback rating of 82.3. So it's all about pressure when it comes to Tom Brady. And for that reason, I think there won't be a lot of pressure. I think this is an incredibly important, not that I, as you know, I don't think the importance of the game changes too much in terms of what's going to happen. Um, but I think that uh, the Bucks are going to spring a surprise in this one. Okay. I'm, I'm going to keep mine quite simple. I, there's something quite cool about the fact that Brady against the current Super Bowl champs will want to lay down a marker for the Bucks where the Super Bowl is going to be played as well. And it's kind of like that old guard, new face kind of feel to it. But I'm going to take the new face on this one. I, I just think I, I, I've been stung a few times by the Bucks as well. And I just think there is that capacity for them just to fold a little bit when the when it's going against them. Uh, I don't say it with too much confidence, but I'll just take the Chiefs. I just think Mahomes is playing out of his mind at the moment with the amount with his like rating and what is only a couple of interceptions. I I just think that's too good to pick against. And so seeing him in a slightly more attractive pick um, spread only makes that better. So I'll take the Chiefs into cover. But I do like the idea of Brady laying down a marker um in in the way i mentioned like i think that's kind of a cool story to it so um wouldn't be surprised if it gets stung but yeah i'll take the chiefs yeah i agree with eddie on this one the chiefs defense does not look good right now and it's surprising a little bit because they returned most of their team from last year but i think they're missing a few up front and that could be the difference um and one of the main ones i think who's actually still playing is uh Frank Clark, he looks terrible. I don't think he had one pressure last game. And that was a guy last year who was a potential difference maker in the playoffs. I mean, he was having a good amount of pressures in the playoffs. And if 
if they can't pressure the QB and if they give Brady as much time as they gave Carr back there, I mean, Carr had four seconds before he was releasing the ball. It was, it was a crazy stat that they showed up on the Monday night game. His, his amount of time before he threw the ball was like one of the highest in the NFL that season. So they have to find some way to get pressure. The bottom line, though, is I don't think it matters because I think no matter what, the Chiefs are just going to outscore them. And that's I think that's kind of how they're going to win the Super Bowl this year is they're just going to outscore. And that's what happened last game, and I think that's what's going to happen this game. I, I, hate think- to, I hate to break it to you, Frank, but that's kind of how every team wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> if you don't outscore your opponents, you're not going to win. Yeah, that's true. Good point. You're gonna, you'd be the worst commentator, Eddie, because people would just make these sound bites and you'd be like, well, obviously, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you're saying, but just before someone else comments on it, it has yeah. to be acknowledged. I, yeah. I, I just love it. Like, I can see this one being a shootout to the end, but unless they give the Chiefs the ball back with three seconds left, I can never rule out Mahomes to have his last second drive. And I think it's going to happen here. I think the Chiefs will win. I think they'll win by like four or five. Okay. How many points would the Bucks need to? So the Bucks are up by seven. Okay. No, no, let's change it. The Bucks are up by six. How long? The Chiefs have no timeouts. They're getting the ball back on their own 25. How long, like under what time would have to be left before you would consider the Buccaneers to be favorites? No timeouts. No timeouts. To to be favorites? Yeah. I think a minute would put them at favorites. Okay. So that's a what, that's, or what a, um, that's what I think the general public would be. My opinion would be like forty five seconds. Okay, only a fifteen second difference. Not a huge that's a that's a lot. Percentage wise, yeah, it's significant, but it's not like twenty five percent of the time. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Percentage wise it is, but it's not like for me it would need to be two and a half minutes. Like okay. I think they would do twenty-five yard pass to Kelsey in the middle, run up, clock it. That's about twenty seconds off the clock. They do the exact same play, clock it, that's about twenty seconds off the clock. That gives them about twenty seconds I left. Know. Two shots to the end zone. When I asked the question, I didn't know I was gonna get the game plan, but Yep. Next, next up is um, Bears at the Packers, and the Packers are eight and a half point favorites. And I'm, I like the stat with um, uh, so obviously Nick Foles is probably out. I don't know if you've seen anything different, but Foles is out, right? Does it uh, matter? They, I mean, does it really matter? Does it matter? It, it's kind In of way, so Nagy Nagy has yet to name who will be the starter, but all signs are pointing towards the fact right. that it will be Mitch Trubisky. Okay. He's yet to officially name uh, Trubisky as the starter. That being said, I think it makes a difference because I don't think you can get worse than Foles over the last few weeks. So I think Trubisky... You can. His name's Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> I think Trubisky has to be an upgrade, even if it's a small one. I mean, fundamentally, How early is he in an season, upgrade? What a, they benched him to put I, in Foles. I read about Tyler Bray. <laughs> like potentially starting, and I just I read. No, 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 no. I read they're just going to run the wildcat. Just have two <laughs> running backs back there. No, no, it, it will probably be Mitch Trubisky. I, look, I mean, the the question here is how many points can the Bears even score? So, 
I mean, I, I cannot see this iteration of the Bears, even with Mitch Trubisky, say he is a marginal upgrade. I just can't see how they score more than 20 points. And so at that point, at that point, you just to say like the Packers minus 8.5 is probably a little bit of a bargain. So yeah, I'm taking yeah. the Packers. I'm taking them to cover the spread. For me, this like, I wouldn't even stop at 20. I'd say, can you legitimately see this Bears team scoring like more than 10 at the moment? Like, I know that's a tough ask. I mean, but they do it. Yeah. All you're they saying last time. Like all you're asking fundamentally is for Rogers and the Packers to put like over 20 on the board and they win. Of course they're going to do that. It's a couple of scores. That's three scores. Like for me, the eight and a half is a bit of a gimme on this one. So I'll take the Packers and the cover. So you're saying that the Bears do not score more than 11 points? I was just saying like without foals. And I, I know over the past couple of weeks, it hasn't mattered, like you said, but I don't know. I, I just think offensively they've looked so bad when i've seen them no no, no they, they, them. look i'm not disagreeing with how bad they've looked but to, to lock a team into under 10 points basically is i mean eddie let's let's put in perspective they scored 13 last week 17 the week before they scored 23 against the saints which is crazy and then 10 the week before so so three out of their last four games they've scored 17 or less <laughs> Yeah, but there's a big difference between a 10 and 17 with an eight and a half point spread, right? Um, I mean, it's seven, but there's, there's <laughs> I got every, I've got every base covered, but they, uh, look, I, I think they're going to cover. I think they'll probably cover pretty easily. Um, in particular, I think that Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys who kind of gets a little fired up by people being critical of him and the Packers. And so after them blowing that lead against the Colts, I do think this will be like an Aaron Rodgers point to prove like laser focus, just going out there being like, I'm going to run up this score against this supposed look. I mean, the bears have a good defense. This is the thing you have to factor in. Their defense is a playoff caliber defense. It's just their offense is a, Division three college offense. They're, I was going to say their offense is a college football championship <laughs> offense. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is the issue. But I think you'll get an Aaron Rodgers, angry Aaron coming out. And, and yeah, I think they'll, they'll get the 30 points they need to, to easily cover the spread. Listen, I'll, I'll keep this one simple, too. I'm going Edward Hewitt logic. Packers lose to Tampa Bay. They come back out, beat Houston by 15. Lose to Minnesota, come back out, beat the Niners by 17. Lose to the Colts, come back out, are going to beat Chicago by at least 10 points. I didn't realize it was going to be that brutal. (laughs) I was waiting for something else, but fine. Okay. Uh, Last game, uh, Seahawks at the Eagles, and the Seahawks are five-point favorites. I'll keep this one quick. I don't get how it's only five points. The Eagles are atrocious. Okay, they probably will score against this points against the Seahawks team because that's what uh, the Seahawks let teams do for the most part, but they also score points for fun, and I just don't see how this Eagles team is going to be capable of scoring the 30 points they need to stay within five points of this Seahawks team. So I'm taking the Seahawks to win, Seahawks to cover the spread. I don't think we'll be close. Yeah, this is we said this last week. You know, we don't I don't still get why the Eagles spreads are this close. And I honestly think it's people still have this fantasy in their heads that the Eagles are that team that won the Super Bowl. And that's a long time ago. That's not the same team by any stretch of the imagination. 
and I don't see them coming to play against the Seahawks. The Seahawks, I think, are going to blow them out of the water. I mean, just to think of, to, to summarize Carson Wentz's season so far, he's been sacked over 40 times, thrown over 10 interceptions, and fumbled the ball over 10 times in 10 games. So That's basically, impressive. you're locking him in for four sacks, an interception, and a fumble every time he steps on the field at the moment. I was just going to end the picks by saying I've got nothing to add. Yeah, I think it's crazy that the Eagles are have a spread like this against the Seahawks. So I'm taking the Seahawks to cover. Now, if they're in a different division, would you start Jalen Hurts? Question one. Question two, doesn't even matter at this point, and would you still just start Jalen Hurts? <laughs> kind of yes to question two, but no to question one. Because every time I have, they have brought him out for bits and pieces right over the course of the season. And every time he tries to do something, he looks even worse than Carson Wentz. And you have to figure by this point, they know what they have in him and it's got to be worse. Because if they did have a young quarterback who looked capable, you'd think they would have swapped Carson Wentz out by now. Like it's just impossible. They can't just be sticking to him out of loyalty because even though he was the starting quarterback the year they won the Super Bowl, he wasn't the quarterback that won them the Super Bowl. So it's not like you have to say, well, this Super Bowl winning quarterback's got to hang around. Like we owe him this opportunity to get his, like keep his job. This is the guy who got injured. They won a Super Bowl, came back, retook his job. That other guy is looking equally bad in another, <laughs> another city. And I mean, you just have to assume that Jalen Hurts is not impressive in practice. I will say we missed a great joke with the Texans playing on Thanksgiving because Randall Cobb has just been ruled out for three weeks. So <laughs> unlike, unlike the Turkey, that Cobb is, is not going to be uh, playing. <laughs> I will disagree with you there that we did not miss a great joke. <laughs> that could have been our segue <laughs> going sure. from one Going from one cob that likes watching college football to a cob that likes playing pro football. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure if we missed a joke uh, there. No, but that's a solid segue. You give him that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. sure. So we'll give him the segue, not the joke. It's, it's getting towards that end where I almost feel a little bit depressed about the season because I start to see the it's almost over. coming. Yeah. And yeah. I know how quickly it goes. And so now when we start talking about teams only having six games left or whatever, I know that very soon it will be playoff time. And then next thing you know, season over and another long postseason ahead of us. So given it's Thanksgiving, maybe I can cheer you up with a little best Thanksgiving side dish bracket style, little NCA bracket style. So this popped up on my Instagram feed. Oh, NCA what? Like college basketball, just a bracket, okay. just a knockout. Just a okay. knockout bracket. Got yeah. You. Okay. But I was trying to World, throw in a little sports theme. World oh, Cup. Oh, no, 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 no. I get it. It's fine. Sam, <laughs> to translate it for you. World Cup knockout stages. I got you. It's like the lines going into the complex. Okay. Exactly. I got you. Yes. I got you. Your classic bracket, one could say. <laughs> yes. Okay. So 16 different side dishes. I'll run you through each matchup. You tell me. We'll vote because we have three. We'll vote our winners and then move move forward as we okay, go. Ju- okay. Just a caveat here. 
I may not know some of these, so I'm allowed to ask. Yeah, we can explain. Right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then you just Sam the squid it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> round one: mashed potatoes with gravy or creamed greens. Well, I think I think creamed greens is something that Samuel does on weekends, <laughs> but I think. <laughs> I think uh, actually, it's even understanding potato. part of that joke, I don't understand the other part. <laughs> is, is he screwing aliens? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I'm taking mashed potatoes with gravy. Not the most yeah. thrilling, but a classic. It is yeah. a classic, and also it's a pretty British classic as well. So I'm okay. going with mashed potato. Same. Okay, dinner rolls or green beans. Uh, classification, please. Or clarification, not classification. Oh, of which one? What do you think? <laughs> you don't know. I do you mean a bread, know. like a bread roll? I know what a green bean is. No, a, a, Frank, <laughs> a dinner a roll. Yeah, yeah, it's a like, bread roll. Just, yeah, like like a warm bread roll. Yeah. So you're asking me if I want a bread roll or a green bean? <laughs> like, well, I would assume the green beans might be like a green bean casserole, maybe. What's in the green bean casserole? Just it's just you like green beans and cream with, yeah. with some fried onions on top, like the so crispy wait, onions. But no, no, that's a different dish. It's just imagine when you have green beans. You look, you have meals where it's just green beans cooked. It's just okay. that. I'm, I'm going to go for the bread that. roll. Okay. <laughs> yeah. To me, I'm not. I, I never want to eat a bread roll with turkey. I don't understand why I'd want bread and turkey um, unless have it's you a, ever sandwich. Had a turkey sandwich. Oh, it's so different. You it. It's different. I wouldn't want a turkey sandwich and a bread roll. I'm not a psycho. But... <laughs> it's like Inception. It's like a roll within a roll. <laughs> so to me, it's the beans. I'll go. I'll go dinner rolls. The only thing I'll say here is, let me make sure. You can lug a dinner roll at someone as well. Yeah, because I also I'll I'll lump dinner rolls in with biscuits, and I like a nice warm homemade biscuit, and you can throw some turkey on there, a little gravy, some stuffing, make yourself a little like mini turkey sandwich. I am so excited a, for my I've got a roll. I got a bread roll sporting story for you, which is my parents went to a wedding in the late <laughs> 70s that the entire Chelsea football team attended. And they were all like at a couple of tables together with each other. And during the course of the meal and while the speeches were going on, they thought it would be funny to start trying having a competition amongst themselves where they took the rolls and tried to throw them into the hats of the uh, women sitting at the tables close to where they sort of the wedding party was sitting. And then eventually the entire Chelsea football team was kicked out of the wedding. Nice. Nice. Oh. I hope that story is completely made up by your parents. No, I've had it confirmed not only by them, but by the people whose wedding it was. Okay. So did you not trust your parents? Oh no, I trust them always. Insistently. So you trust do you trust your father's advice about Paul Collingwood then? <laughs> that's not advice. That's an assessment. Right? So you don't trust his assessments? I don't touch his cricketing scouting appearance. You know, he never worked as a scout in cricket. So no, I'm not taking him there. <laughs> but nice try trying to get to trap me. I, I appreciate it. No trap. Just yeah, curious. That was a good one. Just, and we are edging slightly closer towards having Paul Collingwood on this podcast. So. Oh, I cannot wait. Okay, next one. So actually, I made a mistake here. This one is green bean casserole. The last one, Eddie was right, was just plain green beans. This is green bean casserole versus cornbread. Wait, so we've got cream greens, green beans, and green bean casserole as three separate dishes. Is that There's a lot cream? of green beans. Is that enough yep. cream for you, Sam? 
No, not enough. <laughs> no, too I think many, cream greens is beans. more like cream of spinach. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, that would be nice. Oh. Hmm. It wouldn't matter. We already voted two to one on that. Yeah, one. it's too anyway. late. Eliminated. No longer. Okay. Nice. Green bean casserole or cornbread? Um, cornbread. No, I've already had enough. Am I? Am I considering? Yeah, you, I just yeah, want to get the other. Are you considering I'm not <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna go green bean casserole. I haven't had any greens yet. I'll go green bean casserole as well, just because if I'm going to choose a bread option, I'm gonna go biscuit dinner roll over cornbread. Wait, why is why is biscuit dinner roll now interchangeable? Or you mean those are the you know that that's two of the options remaining? You know that no, no, because no, because a dinner. I think when they say a dinner roll, I think they also kind of mean more of like a biscuit style. I do not think so. I think we have to interpret it as written as we found out with the green beans. You you gave some leeway. I'm looking looking at the rest. There is no other biscuit. I'll still go just if it's just a dinner roll, I'll still choose dinner roll. It is a roll of bread. This is what we're talking about. We're not. I got it. I got it. I got it. Eddie, Eddie, you are exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Look, (laughs) so exhausting. If we played by Frank's rules, we would have got oh. to a final that was green bean casserole versus green bean casserole. So <laughs> I made one mess up that I didn't look to see I, if there was also green bean casserole. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a exactly. good name for a horse dinner roll. <laughs> yes. A horse dinner roll. Well, in this one, because I know I, I, to me, it's rare to have cornbread. I don't have it many times a year. Actually, Thanksgiving is one of those times normally when I do get some cornbread. So I am going to put corn, cornbread as the winner for me. Too late. You already voted out by green bean casserole. Yeah, unlucky. Two to one. Doesn't exist. <laughs> it's still, every vote counts, Frank. You got to count them all. Okay. <laughs> should we re- Should we recount? Yeah, because it was because it was in the big chill podcast state regulation of fifty percent. <laughs> Unfortunately <laughs> for you guys, my my vote represents seventeen electoral college votes, and you guys only have one each. So why? What are you cornbread saying? Cornbread wins. I don't know. Some guys back in 1776 decided it, and we're keeping it since then. Okay. <laughs> cranberry sauce or Brussels sprouts? Oh, cranberry sauce. I don't know how that's a side, though. <laughs> like, someone sits there and just spoon feeds cranberry <laughs> sauce. Yeah, that's like the most traditional Thanksgiving side. But it's, not, but you put it's it not a side. It's, it's not you, side. Like, you, you don't Sam say right. so, like lamb and mint sauce. No. You don't say the mint. Could I have the mint sauce? This is where you're wrong. No, on Thanksgiving so. dinner, people have cranberry sauce to the side, hundred no, no, percent, no, because no, no, because no, it no. comes no, no, in the can the and you cut it into slices side. in the no, can no, no. and you eat side. it as a side. No, 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 to the side no. and as a side are different. Yeah, <laughs> like if it is literally no. to my side, it is not a side dish. But this way, Wait, here's what? here's the way here's the way you do the assessment of the side for me, which is in the scenario where you're really full, you've enjoyed everything at the meal. You're really full. You go back to get that final helping of food, and you've Stop decided like you've you've decided I'm I'm really full, but I could have like one more thing. So like maybe you grab a piece of cornbread. Maybe you're like the green bean casserole was really good. Maybe the mashed potatoes was really good. So maybe you just take a scoop of mashed potatoes and you go back. Maybe you just take a scoop of green bean casserole and you go back. If you just took some cranberry sauce, put it on your plate, only thing, you came and sat back down and you just ate the cranberry sauce with nothing else involved, you were a psycho. Oh, I would say 80% of America does that. Then 80% of Americans are psychos. Wait, 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 stop, stop. Let me ask the question then. Are you saying 
that cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving dinner isn't meant to be eaten alone. It's meant to be top to top on top of something. I would, I would, because, because I would say, I would say almost, oh, see, I would say almost no one in America uses cranberry sauce as a sauce onto their meat. It is a but completely on, separate on, thing. Like, on, like on, if you would make a plate, you put turkey, stuffing, yeah, mashed know. potatoes, cranberry sauce. Okay. No, no, no. We need to just... When we so mean that's sauce, a side I don't, dish. No. When I don't mean like gravy, you pour it on top. I mean like but, a dollop on top of... But for example, say for me, I like red currant jelly. I'm not going to eat lamb without red currant jelly. I'm not going to pour... I'm not, a, I'm not a complete, you know, pleb. I'm not going to pour the the red currant jelly across my roast lamb. I'm going to put it on my plate respectfully in a little corner. And then when I go and have a piece of lamb, I'm going to put some, I'm going to take some red currant jelly and have, have a mouthful of lamb and red currant jelly. I okay. Love um, red currant, I'm not going to okay, scoop that's fine. the red currant jelly up and just eat it f- out of the jar. Okay. So in the scenario you're saying, I would say less than 5% of America is taking a forkful of Turkey with a forkful of cranberry sauce. They're taking either. Are you kidding? Well, because you don't live in America. But I I have Thanksgiving every Thanksgiving with Americans. Okay. I want you to ask Missy how many people eat the turkey with the cranberry sauce. I, versus I, how many I'm, people eat cranberry sauce oh on its own on the side. Frank, I've never I know, seen you so passionate. Yeah, this is true. Because this is like a crazy argument. <laughs> I know that your parents are listeners of this podcast. So I mean this with the utmost, utmost respect to Mr. and Mrs. Duca. That right. being said... If here is a risk here that the Dukas are psychos, that you're going to find out, we're going to, we're going to run this survey and you're going to be like, Oh my God, everyone else eats cranberry sauce in conjunction with like something else. It's like an addition, not a standalone thing. No, I'm saying no one is what you're saying, cutting a piece of Turkey, putting on their fork and then scooping the cranberry sauce with it. Okay. We'll find this out. This will be a survey. Because we'll, here's the we'll other thing. To, Frank. Here's the other we'll thing. Is about, again, we'll head to Reddit again, and we will have our solution. Okay. Yep. Don't do a UK Reddit, though. Don't UK Reddit me. I want Americans voting on this. Okay. I'll make sure. I'll ask them to prove their nationality. before. Because, the other, the, because the other big argument with cranberry sauce is whether people like real cranberry sauce or canned cranberry sauce. And a majority of Americans have preferred canned cranberry sauce where it's literally cut into slices out of the can oh my god yeah what? so okay i, I don't so, even know how to react to so that. like you take a can of cranberry and you like drop it out and it makes that really gross like <laughs> noise as it comes out of the can and then it's literally <laughs> like a can shaped form of cranberry sauce and you cut it into slices that is how most americans like their cranberry sauce next one Okay. <laughs> Stuffing. Just, just to let you know, by the way, I, I didn't voted actually vote. cranberry yeah. sauce, but I do not in any way condone the way you're advocating it. I, so I, I, haven't, a, I haven't. Can I just say, I think cranberry sauce has already been voted through. I haven't voted though yet. I can't even remember what it was up against. <laughs> Brussels sprouts. Okay. <laughs> it's up against one of the shittest things. Here's the thing is, I don't really like Brussels sprouts, but I... Yeah. I also don't, I love cranberry juice. I love cranberries. I actually don't like cranberry sauce. So I'm going to have to vote Brussels sprouts through only on that basis. 
And if you told me I have had Brussels sprouts sometimes when they're kind of diced, cooked with some bacon, I enjoy them in that ma- in that way. But like just the whole Brussels sprout, just the idea of that being cooked by itself in like the 60s, 70s style, I'm out on that one. But uh, yeah, it's to me, these are both losers, but I'll take the Brussels sprouts. On the spread. <laughs> I'll take the cranberry sauce just so we yeah. can move it along can so I, we can, can discuss take, it again. Can I take Brussels oh. sprouts plus five, please? Yeah, I'm taking cranberry sauce, but on the spread against the meat. <laughs> okay, next one. Stuffing or dressing versus creamed corn? Stuffing. Stuffing, not close. Stuffing, yeah. Stuffing's going to win this bracket, by the way. I'm just telling you now. Uh, yeah. Mac yeah, and just... cheese versus candied yams. Uh, sorry, Mac and Candied Mac and yams. cheese. Candied yeah. yams. Candied yam. What? Candied, candied yam. Candied. Candied. So it's like candied. you cut you cut the yams into pieces, put it in like a little casserole, and then you top it with brown sugar and marshmallows. As a side for a main course. <laughs> as, a side with, <laughs> as a side with turkey. Yeah. I love if you could see Sam's face. <laughs> Sam, Sam, that face is the epitome of of a UK person hearing an American Thanksgiving for the first time. I just, the sheer, the idea of marshmallows on a main course and you have the audacity to come back to me with cranberries. I this is this is like a this cheek. is like one of those this is like one of those BuzzFeed reacts videos now where <laughs> Sam is Sam is getting his first glimpse. Okay. It's a disgusting concept. It's it's there's no way it's I mean it actually looks appetizing. I didn't deny that. Really does that second picture look appetizing? That looks like genital warts. Uh, <laughs> I, that actually just looks like a load of sweet and sour chicken balls. <laughs> oh, that looks like dog food. Yeah. Oh no. Oh, oh, it's like you're showing me like illnesses. <laughs> oh no. Okay, no, no, no. What was the other one it was against? The the best part about this is actually the best points that Frank's been making is that he's he's not realized he's not muted that he's muted himself. Yeah. So none of the great. points that he's been saying for the last <laughs> last thirty seconds are gonna count towards the recording. <laughs> All I was saying was this is a classic one where it's like covered in the sweet sauce and then most times it's then topped with a marshmallow. And what was it against? Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Yeah, easy mac and cheese. Because that actually should be eaten as a main course. (laughs) I will say that I've had neither one of these items as a side for Thanksgiving uh, dinner. But I have had mac and cheese as a side. But yeah, Yeah. Thanksgiving is a little bit taken away from me. Got my first one tomorrow. All right, so next we actually have <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> we have sweet potato casserole. I've heard of this one. With marshmallows okay. versus oh sweet god. potato casserole without marshmallows. Without easy. It has to be I almost cuz this is for Thanksgiving, right? I'd, so I'd assume to... that picture I'm showing you guys a picture. That one I think is without but it could be with sausage, it looks like, on the top. Yeah. It, and then that it, would be with. It looks it, like a fungal growth. Yeah. No, my genital words description wasn't bad. Um, <laughs> as it turns out, people should stop taking photographs of 
any kind of vegetable dish that you're sticking marshmallows on top of. It just doesn't yeah. need to be photographed. It looks like fungal. Bread. I will take sweet potato casserole with marshmallows. I'll take <sighs> it with. I've got to try no, it, right? No, no, no. You can't do. I want to try this vote. This is your vote. Gun to your head. Final meal of your life. Vote. Oh, I would take with marshmallows. I feel like I might be missing out. Maybe you'll have it tomorrow. Is it? Maybe is it lucky. better? Maybe we lucky. Sam, oh no, I'm Sam, going better. It is. It is on the menu tomorrow. Oh Sam, yes. <laughs> your thoughts okay. on uh, Sam? Your thoughts on? I think I might be missing out. Have led you down a very interesting <laughs> lifestyle already. Don't let it do you. <laughs> Don't let it do it to you with the marshmallow. You make it sound like a choice. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Let's mix it up a bit. Let's have some fun. Okay, so with okay, wow. so now so Eddie, you say before, stuff. Sam. You said stuffing could win, but here's could be the upset: scalloped potatoes versus alcohol as a side dish. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, do you have alcohol? Then you have like a beer as well. <laughs> I don't know. I guess they're just saying uh, when you're eating dinner, you're also having alcohol on the side. That's insane. I'd pick alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I'm taking the potatoes. Actually, I'll uh, take alcohol. I mean, I, I obviously, I, I love alcohol. I'm not denying that. I prefer alcohol to potatoes. But if I'm thinking about my Thanksgiving, <laughs> what a sentence! <laughs> I and if, that's the first route to recovery, Eddie. <laughs> guys, I, listen. I like potatoes better, but I love vodka made from potatoes that's my <laughs> ultimate weakness <laughs> but if i can think about i'm thinking about my thanksgiving dinner right so alcohol 364 days a year but then i'm giving a i'm passing on it for one day to have a nice meal then i'm taking i'm taking the potatoes okay that being said i already voted mashed potatoes through so well round two mashed potato versus dinner rolls Mashed I'll go mashed potatoes. It's mashed. It's potato. also and gravy, right? So we're getting no other yes, sauce. with gravy. gravy. Yep. Okay, green bean casserole versus cranberry sauce. Green bean casserole. Green bean casserole. I'll go. The green gravy bean will stop it being dry. Here's the here's the interesting. A real savior right now. Here's the interesting thing that you put cranberry sauce as an independent side, but I know you didn't do this, but the the creators of this, but they didn't put gravy as an independent side. Because that would have been an interesting now a whole other debate then as to is gravy aside. <laughs> I've seen people take spoonfuls of gravy without I've seen it. people push it out of a can and make that noise. Of exactly. <laughs> Congealed gravy sauce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um but I would have it would have been interesting if gravy could have won this by itself. But anyway, I'm green bean casserole. Yeah, same. Okay, next one. I think this is a little tough. Stuffing versus mac and cheese. It's not tough. I, I cannot imagine a Thanksgiving dinner without stuffing. To me, it's it's like turkey has to be there. Stuffing has to be there. So It's, it's true, but if you had to choose at the end of the day, Eddie, like you said, <laughs> to do... <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going, Frank? Were you going to like break into oh. song? Like, no, I, just, I, got, I got a really bad cramp in my leg. I just love how you picked up the He's microphone. giving the musical. Like he's like, sure, let's go on. 
If you had to choose, maybe this song will change your mind. Play me down the stairs, boys. (laughs) (laughs) I give it a pause. No. Oh, no, that's Sting. This is Sting. This is Sting. This is fantastic. Well, for the sake of the podcast, I almost cramped my leg off and was still willing to go on. (laughs) I don't think that's how cramp works, but yes. (laughs) I'm going stuffing. You've got turkey. It's a shame that mac and cheese has to go. That's another thing that Sam has said before. (laughs) I'm going (laughs) stuffing is his description of every Saturday night. What I was going to ask before my leg started seizing and cramping is if you're going up with your plate, Eddie, and you have room for one more scooping of something and it's the best stuffing versus the best mac and cheese, what are you scooping? Stuffing, it's easy and it's only for one reason. I get wow. stuffing I get stuffing maybe twice a year. Like but, this kind but of stuff. How many times do you get stuffed a year? <laughs> twice a year, same time. Yeah. Right after. <laughs> Whereas, okay. whereas mac and cheese, I have, I don't know, 10 times a year. And okay, yeah. it's not always the best, but for that reason alone, stuffing is going to win this. Sweet potatoes with marshmallow versus alcohol. Alcohol. I love the, I love the lineup. Okay. Um, so I'm we're in the final alcohol. four. Mashed potatoes versus green bean casserole. Remind me again what green potatoes. bean casserole is, though. It's green beans. Um usually like some fried onions crispy crispy the onions are crispy yeah the... oh oh my god it looks so like i'm an showing Asian you dish. pictures of green bean casserole now it's really good but and i, I like it a lot and another one of the <laughs> things that i don't have like thanksgiving Very is basically the only time i have it whereas mashed potatoes have fairly I'm, regularly i'm going to go for that that looks good. Is that on your menu for tomorrow, Sam? Uh, probably. Yes. <laughs> Sam, where are you going, by the way? <laughs> like, is this just like, are you going to some random place? AFC. A- a- American Embassy. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, just going to uh, one of my American friends' house for Thanksgiving. I'll go mashed potatoes just because it's probably the, well, it's actually not true. I do eat mashed potatoes a decent amount. You're right, though. I don't ever eat green bean casserole. I'm going to go green bean casserole. Yeah, I think I've created a rule for myself here that I've got to stick to. And by yeah. that logic, I'm going to take the green bean casserole. Stuffing versus alcohol. Stuffing. Stuffing. Alcohol helps the stuffing, usually. Okay. So green bean casserole versus stuffing. It's stuffing. I mean, it was the clear. I'll this go is, stuffing. Yep. This is such, this was such an overwhelmingly powerful number one seed in this bracket. How many points are they favored? Twenty-one. <laughs> are we playing basketball or football? Football. Favored by forty-six in an, in an NBA game. They that will be a record probably in the finals of a of a tournament. Yes. Yeah, I think you got to go stuffing. Now, what kind of stuffing is your go-to stuffing? Do you do meat in your stuffing? So every time growing up, I mean, for us, the comparison, right, would be a Christmas Day meal. I mean, we went to other people's houses for Thanksgiving and stuff, but never hosted a Thanksgiving. So the closest meal I'd have to this kind of at home is on Thanksgiving Day, which fundamentally exactly the same meal for English people, minus some of the sides would never make an appearance, right? 
growing <laughs> sweet potato casserole with marshmallows yeah, wouldn't make exactly. it appear. Um, growing up, we always had both a meat, like a sausage based stuffing, and then a um, <laughs> can't help yourself, can you? What, say? A, what a horrible upbringing, <laughs> and then a and then a vegetable uh, like stuffing. And similarly for me now, it's been four years, five years, been hosting my own Thanksgiving dinner. I always do both kinds of stuffing. Can you really call it hosting when only one person comes over and he's barely a human? (laughs) Well, tomorrow is going to be different, obviously. We are respecting the uh, restrictions and the limitations on the number of people and stuff you can have over. So we're actually having two people over tomorrow. Oh, it's up to two now? We'll be four people, yeah. Uh, But there will still be two types of stuffing. It's two more than I'll have. (laughs) In previous years, right, we had like 15, 16 people. Should we do our bets? Yep, bet of the week. See if you can get a Thanksgiving present for people. Not that's for traditional. Me. That's traditional <laughs> too, right? Not for me. So, just to remind everyone of where they stand, I currently have one hundred thirty-five thousand seven hundred twenty-five fictional dollars with which to bet. Uh, Sam, you currently have twenty thousand, and Frank, you've got <laughs> you've got forty thousand. I'm going to say once again, Sam, you cannot go all in. I'm going to say your max bet is ten thousand here. Are you the bookie? Yes. Wow. What's depressing, though, is I've lost everyone. Frank actually won a couple, and he's at 40. (laughs) Well, no, I think that might be more depressing for Frank. At least yours has just been a consistent bleed out. Frank's had, like, hope. He was winning after week one, if you recall. I mean, he was. Oh Oh, yeah, he was up to 125 Gs. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Frank, it only takes one. We just need to get it. So I'll, I'll give mine, right? If I'm okay. allowed 10K, I'll do 10K. And it's just okay. going to be a straight money line fourfold in the NFL. Okay. <clears throat> so it's going to be the Browns, the Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Saints. And it pays 2.94. I am going to do something highly unconventional here. And my bet of the week is going to be the same as Sam's bet of the week. Are you doing no, now? Was that this is not tactical? Okay, <laughs> say, say, it, say it again. Oh, is Frank? Are you considering is this going to be across the board? The big deal, the, big chill the Browns, the Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Saints money line. I don't like that. So, I am going to throw in 35,725 on that, Frank. You backed all four of them and with the spread. Oh, no, you did the Jets, didn't you? You did the Jets in fairness. Yeah. So. No, no, no. Frank, <laughs> so. has forgot- Frank has forgotten his weekly picks by now. His his picks and his bet of the week are long gone. Tepper- I mean, the Saints are your survivor. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go fourfold just to win, but I'm going to go Saints, Bills, Giants, Cardinals, and that pays four to one. I will throw another 20,000 on that. We swap, Frank. If I, oh no, I'll go up to about 60. Oh no, I'll go up to 50 odd. And I'll go to 40 if I lose. No, you go to 30. What, what was that, Eddie? 
You're at 40. 40 or 20 or 60. And just to be clear, because Frank tries this almost every time, it's 4.51. Oh, no, I can show you. I have 4 to 1. We use Bet365 as the official bookie of the of the Big Chill podcast. As you know, you can try and slip this change yes. in, in in week 12. Yes, it's it's 4. Point, I'm staring at it now. It's 4.51. Whatever. All right, well, have a nice Thanksgiving. I'm going to uh, go home. I got my turkey brining, ready to throw it on the smoker tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. How long are you going to smoke it for? Probably like 10 hours. It's a 14-pound turkey. So why wouldn't you just do it? Why wouldn't you just do it overnight? Because I I have to regulate the temperature, so I'd have to like wake up continually through the night to make sure that the temperature's the same. Got to keep your meat meat moist, haven't you? Yeah, that's why it's brining. Right. <laughs> I'm a non-briner. I think it's unnecessary. It's better to brine meats when you throw on a smoker because it keeps them nice and juicy. Well, good luck with your delivering your juicy meat, Frank. And I guess we'll we'll speak to each other next week. You think 14 pounds turkey is enough for two people? <laughs> Should be okay. Okay. What you've got to do is get a turkey sandwich and put it in a dinner roll. And that'll really help the turkey go further. And put some marshmallows on top of it. Don't we will have, cr- yeah, and a side of cranberry potato. Yeah, that's the question. How many how many pounds of cranberry sauce do you have? I don't know if she bought any cranberry sauce. Wow, you need that best side. I mean, that's an integral side dish. Yeah, I don't know. She probably did. All right, boys. Talk to you later. Yeah. See you. Cheerio.